Raging Review. The Raging Cajuns will be a source of pride for this university, for the alumni, fans, and donors as we achieve success in the classroom, in the competitive arena, and in the community. It's about to get really fun. We're looking for dudes that will stand up. Well, Coach, let me tell you today, I'm here and I'm ready to stand up. And I challenge you, Raging Cajun Nation, to stand up with us. Stand up with us. Let's lock hand in hand and let's walk through the gates of Omaha. Hey, I love y'all boys. Let's grind every day starting today. Let's do it. Y'all ready? Alarm! Alarm! Ready! Who's that team ready? Who's that team ready? That's up! I got one thing to say right here. Cajun win! Ladies, gentlemen, children, babies, Cajun Nation, welcome in to another edition of the Region Review Podcast. I'm Jerry. I'm here with Nick. Got a lot to talk about tonight. Cajuns drop a heartbreaker at Troy last week. Uh, they have the ULM Warhawks coming to town for game number 12. It's pretty much make it or break it for a chance at a bowl game for Louisiana football. We'll talk about what's going on around the Sun Belt football schedule, as well as basketball, as both Cajuns men's and women's basketball hit the hard floor today. We'll talk a little bit of Cajuns volleyball, and we'll also talk about Thanksgiving and what we're thankful for here at Cajun Nation, such as our favorite foods or the foods we don't like, Nick. Anyways, Nick, what's up, man? Happy Tuesday to you, my friend. Already trying to get me in a bad mood, Jerry, and we're barely started. I'm good otherwise, until you say some stupid stuff about Thanksgiving meals. Hey, hey, there's nothing stupid about Thanksgiving, Nicholas, okay? Show some love and, and be thankful for the many Candy things. Candy yams are stupid. Do. I'm sorry. No, they're not. You take that back right now, young man. You take back what you just said. Anyways, before we start talking about all of these different topics here at Rage Review, first thing we want to do is thank our sponsors. And uh, Nick, what you got for us? Hey, everybody. Thanks again for joining Rage and Review for another weekly episode. We'd just like to encourage you to patronize our great sponsors like Dr. Brett Venable and Recovery Cairo Med. Have you been in a car accident or hurt yourself lifting on the job? Are you having neck pain or back pain but really don't want to deal with a long, drawn-out process? Then call the chiropractor Raging Cajun athletes use for their neck and back pain, Dr. Brett Venable. The bottom line is you just need to feel better. You need to get better quickly. That's where Dr. Brett Venable comes in to make all the difference. Dr. Venable and his integrated team of rehab, chiropractic, and medical doctors have three locations in Acadiana to serve you. Opelousas, New Iberia, and of course, main office in Lafayette. Dr. Brett Venable is one of very few chiropractors recognized by the state of Louisiana as a chiropractic specialist. He is also the only chiropractor in the Cajuns Healthcare Alliance and the only chiropractor on the board at Tulane School of Professional Advancement. Before you start to stress about the process, remember, this is exactly why you pay for car insurance. These situations are exactly why you carry workman's comp. There's no need for a court date. Your first call should be to Dr. Brett Venable and his great team at Recovery Cairo Med. No hassle, no waiting, and quick relief. Come and find out what our Raging Cajun athletes and over 10,000 Acadiana residents already know. For more information, call the Lafayette office at 337 
888-988-2188 or visit recoverychiromed.com, recoverychiromed.com. We'd like to thank Dr. Brett Venable for being an RCAF member and the exclusive chiropractic sponsor of the Raging Review podcast. Also, a huge thank you to Absolutely Embroidery and More. We know how much Cajun Nation loves their gear. At Raging Review, we get our gear from Ms. Phyllis Thibodeau and the team at Absolutely Embroidery and More. Absolutely has a massive inventory of Raging Cajun apparel to choose from. If you can't find something you like, Absolutely can make something you'll like right there in the shop. And if your creation proves to be a popular item with customers, Absolutely will give you a little incentive for helping out with the cause. Bring in your vermilion and white shirts, hats, shorts, socks, dresses, jackets, sweaters, or whatever garment you need to represent the Cajuns. Absolutely also offers customized embroidery services to promote your business on hats, polos, uniforms, etc. Absolutely rounds out the collection with an assortment of exciting accessories for the lady Cajuns in your life. Earrings, headbands, bracelets, clutches, and bags are just a few options to complete her spicy look. Pass by 3010 Collie Saloon Roan in Lafayette and see the wonderful ladies at Absolutely Embroidery and More today. They'll treat you to quality Cajun clothing, complimentary gourmet cookies, and a friendly conversation. And if you're an out-of-town raging Cajun, visit them on the web at absolutelyembroideryandmore.com or visit their social channels on Instagram or Facebook. There, you'll find pictures of what the ladies are putting on the shelves in real time. Once again, folks, please support local businesses and please support businesses that support the Raging Cages and especially the Raging Review Podcast. Thank you to our sponsors for all that you do. That's a really cool new recording. That's the first time we've actually run this uh, ad for um, Recovery Cairo Med as well as Absolutely Embroidery and more. Anyway, let's start talking some Cajun sports. So, Nick, let's get started, man. So, the, you know, we had the post game the other night uh, after the Troy game. The Cajuns drop a heartbreaker to Troy by the final score of 31 to 24, dropping the record to five and six overall, uh, two and five in conference play. Cajuns right now in the middle of a three game losing streak. And, you know, I, I really appreciated the, uh, the call ins. We had a lot of call ins the other day. Our callers, our listeners, we always are. Uh, really appreciate the participation. And, you know, I found, I just find that there's a common denominator uh, with what I saw on, on Saturday. And that's the fact that the team played hard, but those fundamental mistakes still show up at the wrong time. And unfortunately, this late in the year, you really can't get over those fundamental mistakes. And sometimes it just bites you when, when you, when at least expect it. And I thought there were certain times we did that still committing penalties, still missing open field tackles, playing soft coverage whenever we were pressing in the first half, which I think some of that's more or less coaching than fundamentals. But another thing that I noticed uh, against Troy and one thing I got out against Troy was where was this type of intensity and where was this type of preparation for the other games that we lost? Because I feel like if we would have brought that same intensity to those other games like Georgia State, Old Dominion, Southern Miss, and Arkansas State. I won't even count Minnesota. I might say Minnesota would have been a closer game. But if we would have brought this type of uh, mindset into those other five games, I would I would be willing to bet we would be sitting at somewhere around eight and three right now with you know a, a slight chance of winning the Western Division. What do you think about that? Well, I, I, first of all, now I'll echo your sentiments about the the post game and the great comments. We kind of went down a rabbit hole, as we tend to do, 
in those situations because everybody wants to talk about how to get better, right? When we lose, the focus becomes not that we lost. I mean, that takes like 10, 15 minutes to talk about the fundamentals of the game. But the rest of the time is talking about how we fix it, how we fix the game, how we fix our attendance, how we fix the problems that we have. And so you go down that rabbit hole and it feels like you're reiterating everything that you've said before. But it, you know, when when things don't change, you kind of have to say it over and over again until until something something clicks with somebody who's in the, the position to make the decisions to change those things. I saw what you saw last week. And again, uh, we're two seasons into it and we're still seeing silly mistakes. We're seeing silly penalties, undisciplined play, arm tackling, which wasn't there earlier in the season. So we've, we've regressed there. We've regressed in some areas, which is scary to see. And I know a lot of fans, I'm not going to call in sunshine pumping. I'm just going to say positivity around, well, we're one or two plays away from being having eight wins or nine wins this season. Well, you know what? I'm a lottery ticket away from being a multimillionaire, I, but I'm not. And, and I didn't win the lottery. So we can say, well, we woulda, coulda, shoulda, as Jim War would say, right? But the fact of the matter is we didn't do all of those things. And other teams are doing those things to defeat us. So there's a lot of soul searching that's got to be done in this offseason. And look, if we're not playing the, the, the transfer portal, we're going to be in trouble. Because I'm not going to say we're going to have a ton of guys leave. But when you're, when you're seeing articles coming out that the, quote, Power 5 or Power 4 or is going to be Power 3 now because apparently ACC wants to break up, whatever is left of that wants to break away. And now it's all depending on like a Supreme Court decision on whether or not antitrust rules are in effect and all that stuff. I don't know all the legalese about it. But if we're not adapting to the era of not only NIL, which I think we're we're on the right track with, but the transfer portal, and we're saying that's not what we want to do, that just goes back to our ineptness in trying to make adjustments like that's an adjustment just like everything else just like halftime adjustments just like in-game adjustments that we're not making this is another adjustment that we're not making so again there's a lot of soul searching that needs to be done in this offseason regardless if we win this last game because really the only thing that this this last game matters for is a bowl game and I want every single one of those guys to go out with a bowl game under their belt another one I mean I, I don't know how many we've been to in the last six seven years but Really, this game against ULM is is going to be very telling for two things. One, it's going to be telling on where we are this year versus last year. Are we are we static? Are we the same? Um, and if you lose to ULM two years in a row, that that I, have we ever lost to ULM two years in a row? The last time we did that was in 2006 and 2007. Yeah, so now we're going back to 2006 and 2007. And that was, I mean, that was over 15 years ago. Since right. then, I think we're 12 and three against them or something like so that. So it's unacceptable is what I'm saying, Jerry. And when, you oh, look at, when you're looking no, at I, conference standing and we're at the bottom of the league, not, not, not the bottom of the, but the bottom of the league right above ULM, that's very telling. So I can't sunshine pump that whatsoever. I can't say we almost, we could have, we should have, none of that. It does not matter. Only thing that matters is the record and your standings, and and it ain't, it ain't good. So, again, we got some soul searching to do, and I'm sure after the season's over, we'll, we'll dive deeper into that. But 
it's uh, it's scary and sad that we're in this position where it's a must win for us against ULM again this year. Last year it was Texas State. This year ULM. I, I just, you know, I, I I can't even get excited about it, Jerry. Well, the thing about your your, your quote about Jim Moore's famous "coulda, woulda, shoulda" rant—that was what his rant was about. The, our, if you just for a little historical perspective, this was in 1987. The Saints had not had a winning season up until that point. Jim Mora takes over the team. They lose to the San Francisco 49ers by, I think, like a field goal or something like that. And this was when the 49ers were like the 1980s 49ers. And everybody's patting them on the back going, oh, you played them close. Great job. Oh, you almost had them. You almost had them. And that's when Jim Mora gave his rant and was like, look, coulda, woulda, shoulda is what I'm talking about. I'm tired of saying coulda, woulda, shoulda with this franchise. If we want to get over that hump, we got to get it done. Teams that teams that are good don't say coulda, woulda, shoulda because they win those games. And that's where I feel like where we are now as a program is if we're giving up, if we're giving teams a pat on the back because, oh, you tried hard, then you're not getting to that point, which goes back to what I said about playing at Troy. Yeah, we played them hard, but we wouldn't be in this position if we would have brought that same intensity to the other games that we lost. You know, when I hear like Georgia state, Oh, but we were down by 20 in the first half. It was a great comeback. We really came back. You still lost the game. You know, I mean, you still lost the game. I mean, it was great to see. Yay. But in it's the a end, loss. you lost. It's and, a loss. And so that's why I can't get behind this positivity. If give me something to be positive about. And, and that at the end of the day, again, is wins and losses. It's a, it's a result-oriented business, and I feel like the Troy game was, again, like we said, an encapsulation of everything that we've done over the past two seasons, yet again, showing its ugly, rearing its ugly head again. And you only have one game, and this is it, to, to somehow turn that around. And, and ULM looked absolutely horrible this past week. But you know what? They're going to show up to play. They're going to be ready to play. They're going to, they want to keep us out of a bowl like we have done to them several times. And it doesn't matter how much talent you have in the field at this point. It matters how you execute. And it matters how bad you even want to be there. And I, I you know, I, I would like to think that we're going to show up with the intensity that we had against Troy. But... You don't know because week to week, you don't know what you're going to get. So I I thought we played well against Troy in the trenches. And I thought offensively, even though Troy, I mean, Troy's front front seven, I, I, I think they were better than Minnesota. That was the best front seven we played all year. I mean, they're a good front seven. I tried telling and, you, Jerry, but you said, oh, no, Minnesota's, they pushed us around. Well, yeah, but I still think Troy's better than them all well, around as a team. Well, I thought Minnesota's offensive line was better. That's where I was alluding to. I, I don't, I think, I mean, we got, we look, they protected Gunnar Watson. We didn't get a sack on him, but we actually, there were a few times where Vidal, I mean, we, we stopped him at the line of scrimmage. Now he got his, he got his yardage, but I thought we did a good job containing their offensive line as opposed to Minnesota's. Minnesota's offensive line was just unstoppable. I mean, they, they, they ran under center, they ran stretch, and, and they knew we couldn't stop them, and they just kept running it, and it worked. And sometimes that makes me wonder the way we call our offense sometimes, right? I'm one of those type of people, I don't like getting fancy. If there's one, if there's one or two plays that's working the entire game and they can't stop you, I support running the same play over and over again. It's kind of like, you know, I mean, you went to Acadiana, you run the Veer, right? It works. If you get seven yards of carry on, on, a, on a dive up the middle off the Veer, you keep running it. 
And that's where I thought Minnesota did a good job. And I think sometimes we tend to sway away from that offensively every once in a while. And then there's sometimes we'll call the same thing over and over again, and it doesn't work. So that lack of consistency offensively for us is something that, you know, that's been kind of plaguing us all year at the same time, back to my point about Troy, I thought their front seven was really good. I thought offensively they had an identity of what it, what they like to do. They're not really an explosive offense, but they knew they had a good running game in Vidal and they have three receivers that you could depend on. But at the same time, Nick, in the first quarter, we're we're pressing them. We're pressing their receivers. Gunnar Watson's making bad throws. We're getting three and outs. What the heck are we doing going in soft zone after a while? Why all of a sudden when you're 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 stopping their offense? Gunner looked Watson looked up, he looked upset. You could tell he looked upset in the first half. And then right when you think you have him, what do you do? You play soft coverage. He hits a slant to one of their receivers for a good 50 yards, and in three or four plays. You give them momentum because they score a touchdown with Vidal to the edge. Why? Why did you veer away from what was working? It's it's like calling a timeout in basketball when you're going on a run. <laughs> we'll talk about that later. But uh, no, I agree with you. And and but I will say offensively, I I thought the play calling what was what I hoped it would be, which is the short passing game, not trying to break a big play every single you know down. I thought our offensive line opened up some nice holes as the as the game wore on. So I, I, I'm not disappointed. I mean, I, I can't say I'm disappointed with this game and how we performed. I, th- I, th- I think, again, defensively, like you said, for some reason, we decided to stop doing what was working. But as a whole, I'm, I mean, Troy's a damn good team, and it would have been a mountain to climb to, to beat them. And even if the ref doesn't throw that awful flag, for pass interference late in the game. Who's to say that we're going to score? You know, there, there's so many things sure. that could have happened after that. So I'm not, I didn't come out of the game pissed off at the fact that Troy beat us. I came out of the game pissed off at the fact that we got to play a game next week in a few days to, to decide bowl eligibility. That to me, that that's what everybody's pissed off about. They're not pissed off about Troy. They're, they're pissed about everything. Right. I wasn't as upset that we lost to Troy. I was more upset at the fact that where was this where was this all season? Where again, where was this intensity and this focus all season? When I hear after the Arkansas State game, well, we we might we might have overlooked Arkansas State. We we kind of took them for granted. We thought we were going to, you know, we thought we had them. What do you what? What do you mean? Like you think Old Dominion is as good as Troy? You think Georgia State is as good as Troy? Heck, this Georgia State hasn't won a game since they beat us. How can you not have a team prepared, Jerry? Like this is not this is not season one. This ain't this ain't no. your first. Like last last season, we you get a pass, you get a pass. You're learning it. You're trying to figure it out. This is becoming all too common, man. It's always something else. It's always well, we didn't we we you know we gotta do better. We gotta you know we don't make in game adjustments. We just play better. We 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 didn't take them seriously. We gotta be focused. We. How about you just execute? How about you get some consistency? How about you don't make stupid mistakes? All that stuff is coachable. And it seems like we just fall back into this. Well, there's one or two that we're one play away. Screw the one play away thing. Again, I'm one lottery ticket away from being a multimillionaire. That's just an excuse. I'm tired of the excuses. How about you go out there and you prove us wrong? This revenge tour, we're going to go back to it again and again. This was supposed to be a big revenge tour. 
And I don't know, I don't know if something's changed, Jerry, but we've had the same players on our roster from the when that comment was made to now. No, same players. Not not much has changed. Now, we we had a couple of quarterback injuries, right? I'll give you that. But Chandler played well enough to win. So that's not an excuse. Chandler played lights out. That's not an day. excuse anymore. Lights out. So, so unbelievable performance. We got our running backs. We got we got some injuries. But other teams do as well. And guess what? They learn how to how to play through that. So we got the same roster. We got the same coaching staff. We were supposed to be on a revenge tour, and now we're at the bottom of the league. There's something wrong, and it ain't just me noticing it. And and God forbid you call them out on it because now you're being too negative. Well, there's not a whole lot of positive here, Jerry. I mean, what give, critiquing what we're seeing is not negativity. It's an observation. If we just wanted to come out and just complain, complain, that's one thing. But the observation is we're five and six for the second year in a row, hoping to win the last game of the season to even get into a bowl game. Uh, our record, our conference record, believe it or not, bar, even with a win on Saturday, will be still lower than our record last year. We were four and four in conference last year. We win this week, we'll be three and five. So our conference record is actually worse than it was last year with all of the rebuild and replacement of coaches and players and everything else. And the third point is, again, we're still seeing the same fundamental mistakes in the second year, the basic stuff, fundamental stuff, stuff that you should be learning. Like Terry, when Terry said, you know, there's a lot of this stuff you learn in football when you're, when you're playing peewee and we're still making those mistakes. That's the thing that gets me right now. It's the little things, easy stuff that we're not fixing. Yeah, I know. And, and, uh, again, I, I don't want to go down the rabbit hole of how to fix it. We all know we all know what the answer is. The answer is you got to get back to to what we were doing that was working, right? And and you were promised again. I'll say this till the day I die. We were promised that reason that we're we're bringing in Daz as head coach is to keep everything the same, but everything is not the same. So now tell me. What like what is is there a different reason or is there a new reason or what's the excuse? Because we're full of excuses right now. So what we're gonna keep everything the same, nothing's the same. So what what what's the plan? What is the answer? And uh I don't know. Like I said, there's soul searching that's gotta be done in that entire department in this offseason. They gotta figure this out because again, you're you're you can rely so much on this stadium rebuild that you have in a couple years, but if there's nobody to put to be in the stadium for that that new stadium in a couple of years, then you're in an even worse spot than you're in now. You got it. You got to give people a reason, and you got to sell that stadium. It's not about the amenities; it's what's on the football field. They're not showing up just to come see your amenities. They're coming to watch a football game, and if you don't have a good product on the field that produces an event worthy stadium or an event worthy atmosphere they're not going to show up doesn't matter how nice it is i mean look at the cajun dome i hate to say it like this but they did a full renovation of the cajun dome in 2016 and then our basketball team kind of took a little bit of a, a turn for the worst for a few years and look at the attendance it dropped dramatically dramatically and so i mean and, and luckily it's getting a little bit better now but for a little while it just goes to show you if you don't put a good product on the field or the court or the diamond or wherever you whatever service you play on, they're not going to show up. doesn't matter how nice your facilities are. So we have to, no, you're right. I mean, we have to have a good football team ready to go come 2025 when that new stadium's ready. Very good point. Well, no, I, I, I'm not going to say 2025. This, this needs to happen now. 
we got to we got to start writing this shit because again, if you don't, then you'll not have anybody there in 2025. It'll be too late by then. Well, the first step to doing that is winning this game, becoming bowl eligible, which by the way, again, Cajuns in order to get bowl eligible, they close out the regular season this Saturday against the ULM Warhawks. Kickoff will be at 2 p.m. You can watch the game on ESPN Plus or listen on 103.3 The Goat or Hot 107.9 FM. And this will be the last official game after 53 years of sitting on the west side. For any of you sitting on the west side, this will be the last time that you'll get that chance to sit at the Cajun Field that we all have grown to know and love. First 3,000 fans, they just announced tonight, first 3,000 fans will receive a commemorative Cajun Field coaster, a drink coaster that you can receive as a way of remembrance of Cajun Field. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the Warhawks, Nick. Um, obviously a very familiar foe. The two teams have played every single year since 1997. Uh, so the ULM Warhawks right now, they come in with a 2-9 and nine record. They have one of the longest losing streaks in the country. They have nine straight games that they've lost. Um, they started the season 2-0, and looked like they were turning things around, then all of a sudden took a turn for the worse, and it's been just a negative, bad snowball effect uh, ever since then for the Warhawks. They are led by head coach, Coach Terry Bowden. You remember him. He had his stints down in Auburn. He also coached at Akron. His team came down in 2015 when he coached at Akron and uh, they put a beating on us. They beat us pretty handily. So uh, we know coach Terry Bowden pretty well. Of course, he's the son of the late great Bobby Bowden who uh, coached at Florida state, made a dynasty at Florida state. He's also the brother of Tommy Bowden, who, as you all know, uh, coached that undefeated uh, two lane team in 1998 and ended up coaching at Clemson for a while before being replaced by current head coach Dabo Sweeney. So coach Terry Bowden is in his second year at ULM, he has a six and seventeen record, but unfortunately, he is one and zero against Louisiana while at ULM. That's because last year the Cajuns traveled to Monroe and lost to the ULM Warhawks by the score of twenty-one to seventeen. And a little fun trivia for you, Nick: that was actually ULM's first win at home against Louisiana since two thousand four. And guess what? I got the chance to be in the stadium to watch both games. Isn't that great? How much fun was that, huh? Nah, I'm pissed off for you. Just thinking about that. <laughs> well, you heard. Look, I had the chance to listen a couple weeks ago to our post game uh, from that game, and uh, you and Josh were able to uh, host it. And and I was on the phone on the way back. I actually went up with my parents. Uh, they wanted to go, so I rode with them. And uh, on the way back from Lafayette, uh, I was I was talking on the phone to you guys. And I just remember just being so frustrated. Number one, I wanted to get the heck out of there. I wanted to leave Monroe. I was ready to just get back to civilization. And number two, I was more dumbfounded of how in the world did we lose this game to this team? Like you were up two scores and that was when coach Des, we were playing the two quarterback system, right? And, um, you know, Chandler goes in first two drives, touchdown, touchdown. I mean, we just walk, walk into the end zone, both drives. Well, then Ben Wooldridge comes in. And it kind of throws our game off a little bit offensively. And then we start making mistakes. We blew some uh, opportunities to score in the red zone. ULM, were, was able, they were able to capitalize on a few of our defensive mistakes. Before you know it, it's 21-17 and we lose the game. So I remember that game. Uh, I, I know a lot of people are kind of not as excited about this game this weekend. I want this game. I want this game back from that miserable trip in Monroe last year. 
Well, I never want to lose to ULM in anything because we should be we we should be in the position to beat them every year at everything. And and we do a pretty good job of doing that for the most part. So you should never lose to ULM. I but I, Jerry, I, I get it. I, I want to beat them because obviously I don't want to lose any game. But I just can't get into this one, man, because I don't. If you don't know what you're going to get, you're it's I don't know. I'm just I think I'm just preparing myself for the worst. Honestly, I'm preparing for us to come out flat. I'm preparing for us to let ULM think they can win this game. And and that will be the death. The 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 that'll be the end of it for us. If we let ULM think they can win it, we're in trouble. But I can't I I'm. I just can't get into it. I can't get excited about it. I can't get enthused about it. Now, once the game starts, I'll probably be a little more hyped up, but just the the build up to it is just not there for me. And I'm worried it's not there for our fans either. Cause I, you haven't really, there's been no talk about ULM. Everything is still down that rabbit hole of how we fix things. But I think we're so right now involved mentally in how we fix things and why things are the way they are that nobody's even talking or thinking about the ULM game. So I'm hoping that changes over the course of the next few days because, look, I know there are things going on that that we don't support, but in the end, we got seniors on this team that need to be cheered for. They need to be thanked. We need to show up for them. So if if we want to do a boycott, if we want to do, you know, we're not happy with the way things are going, we're not going to go to the game this this weekend and the weekend to do it. We can talk about that next year if, if we have an FCS game. Maybe that's the one you do it if you want to do that. But you can't do that. And it's not the player's fault that we're not happy with the way things are going. So show up and support them. I, I don't expect it to be a huge crowd. But if you go out there, be loud, get there early, cheer on the guys because they deserve it. Uh, so I just wanted to throw that out there. I, I'm I know a lot of us aren't hyped up, but you know what? The, we we do need to send these seniors out on a good note, and and a lot of recruits will be watching as well. So just want to mention. And besides, that. and besides the uh, promo with the first three thousand Cajun fans who come in, we're receiving receiving that Cajun Field commemorative drink coaster. Also, too, another promotion, big time promotion. Your last chance to sit in the Cajun Field upper deck as we know it. Ten dollar tickets to sit in the upper deck. So if you want to go and pay some, pay a reasonable price to go watch a game, this is the day to do it. Ten dollars to sit in the upper deck one last time. And two dollar uh, natty lights, boy. Two dollar natty lights. You've got some cheap concessions, right? Very inexpensive concession prices that are very affordable. So this is your opportunity, especially look, there's not a there's a lot of people in Lafayette, even though they may not go to the games. Most people here in this area have been to at least one Cajuns game. They've been in that stadium. That, that stadium is a staple in this town, whether you like it or not, right? This is your last chance to to relive some memories. I mean, look, I always joke that the Texas A&M game in 1996, based on everybody's accounts on how they were there, even though attendance was officially 38,000, you would have thought the attendance was 500,000 because everybody was at that game. Everybody talked to in Lafayette. Oh, I was there. I was there. It's like in New Orleans, the urban legend, you know, if you lived in New Orleans in 1970, you were in Tulane Stadium when Tom Dempsey kicked the field goal. Well, guess what? Tulane Stadium only held 83,000. You would have thought they held 833,000 because everybody kept saying I was in the stadium. So 
this is one of those opportunities for the last time to go to this stadium as you as we all know it. I mean, we all grew up in this stadium. This is the stadium we know and love, and this is the last time we're going to see it the way it is for a football game. And I have uh, I have the original tickets. I have two original tickets for that game where Tom Dinsey hit that uh, field goal. So interesting little tidbit there. But I, I joked this weekend about it being a good experience. Like every every season, the last game is the best experience because they've got everything figured out. The ticket prices, the concession prices, the the experience is fantastic. It will. I'm telling you, Saturday will be the best experience at Cajun Field that you have. Even more reason for you to go out there because I guarantee you they figured everything out. The pricing is great. Last chance to see the 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 uh, the press box and everything before it goes down. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think if this is the game to go out to, it's, it's, if there is a game to go out to, it's this one, because they'll have all the kinks worked out. It'll be a fantastic experience. The parking is going to be great. N- no complaining for that this weekend. It'll be a good experience. No doubt about it. So let's get to know a little bit about the ULM Warhawks. Again, I know I mentioned their record. I mentioned their head coach. They did beat us last year. Let's talk a little bit about, who they are as a team. Let's talk about some key players to look out for for the Warhawks. Some familiar names we'll see on Saturday, starting with senior quarterback number 18, Jaya Wright. Uh, right now, he uh, he is one of, I think, four or five quarterbacks that have actually played. He's gotten majority of the starts. Right now, Jaya has 101 completions, 194 passing attempts. He has thrown for an average of 107.7 yards per game in the air. 10 touchdowns, seven interceptions. So definitely uh, somebody that's prone to throw some picks. So this is where the secondary can feast of given that opportunity. Uh, Right now, ULM has two running backs that usually rotate carries, starting with sophomore running back number 21, Hunter Smith. He's got 90 carries, 497 rushing yards on the ground, averaging 5.5 yards per carry. He's got five touchdowns and he averages 45 yards per game. The other running back rounding out the rushing attack, senior running back number 22, Isaiah Woolard. He's got 93 carries, 426 rushing yards, one touchdown, averaging 4.6 yards a carry, and he is averaging just under 40 yards a game at 38.73 yards per game. Receiving core for the Warhawks includes senior receiver or wide receiver number four, Tyrone Howell. He is pretty much their top receiving target. He's got 47 receptions, 550 receiving yards, seven touchdowns, averaging 11.7 yards per catch and 50 receiving yards per game. Also, junior wide receiver number eight, Darian Wiley. He has 23 receptions for 397 receiving yards, Two touchdowns, he averages 17.26 yards per catch, and he is averaging 36.09 receiving yards per game and rounding out the wide receiving core for the Warhawks sophomore wide receiver number one, Bugs Mortimer. 15 receptions, 291 receiving yards, no touchdowns, but he has 19.4 yards per catch and averaging 32.33 receiving yards per Per game, So those are some of your key players offensively to keep an eye on. Now let's move over to the Warhawks defense. Defensively, they actually have some really good playmakers, believe it or not, Nick. They actually have some guys that have some good stats that uh, I'm sure the Cajuns coaching staff will have to keep an eye on, starting with junior linebacker number 44, Michael Batten. 25 solo tackles, two tackles for loss, three quarterback hurry. So it looks like he will put some pressure on Chandler. Chandler's going to have to keep an eye out on him. Also, senior 
outside linebacker, number 27, Jatarius Evans, 25 solo tackles as well. 5.5 tackles for loss, three interceptions. So it looks like he does a good job playing some zone defense in the, uh, the second level or the front seven, first level front seven. And he looks like he can be a ball hawk and even at a linebacking position. Also on the defensive line, keep an eye out for sophomore defensive end number 12, Kennard Snyder, 32 solo tackles, 13 and a half tackles for loss, 5.5 sacks four quarterback hurries that is somebody to keep an eye out when it comes to our rushing attack and once again Chandler's going to have to keep an eye out on him when he drops back to pass because not only is Kennard Snyder dangerous on the defensive line we also have another defensive lineman junior number 45 Aiden Huntington 19 solo tackles 11 tackles for loss 6.5 sacks and four quarterback Hurry. So defensively, ULM's got some pretty decent talent there. We're definitely going to have to uh, keep an eye out. If you really think about it, the last two years, uh, in 2021, we were only able to score 21 points against their defense. And last year, we only scored 17. So um, this is going to be an opportunity for the Cajuns to really see what they can do offensively, if they can continue to carry on what they've done the last few weeks, even in spite of taking those losses. Uh, the offensive has actually done a good job moving the football and keeping more of a balanced attack, especially since Chandler Fields has taken over as starting quarterback. So uh, closing out uh, the ULM, a uh, little bit of the ULM scouting report, statistically speaking, right now ULM, they're only averaging 17 points per game. Uh, they're having trouble putting points on the scoreboard. Uh, they've only scored more than 30 points one time this year, and that was against uh, App State earlier in the season when they lost on that last second 54-yard field goal by the score of 41-40. to 40. So offensively, they're having some trouble um, scoring points, which should actually help the Cajuns' defense, of course. And right now, ULM is averaging 182.9 yards a game, passing-wise. Uh, Rushing-wise, they're averaging... 145.6 yards per game on the ground, totaling uh, 328 yards of total offense per game. Uh, that that actually is not too good uh, because right now they've given up 33.6 uh, points per game, which means their opponents have scored pretty heavily on them. Uh, they're giving up 277 passing yards per game, and they've also given up 166 uh, rushing yards per game and uh, their defense has given up a total average of 444 yards of offense per game uh, rounding that out the Cajuns right now scoring 30 point uh, 30.45 points per game so they're just under uh, what ULM is getting up, giving up defensively still 13 points more than what ULM has scored at 17 the Cajuns right now averaging 179.6 passing yards per game, just under ULM, but where the Cajuns have a huge advantage on the Warhawks, the Cajuns averaging 219.6 yards per game uh, on the ground, and that is a huge advantage because, again, ULM's not running the ball well, and they have given up. Um, they have only given up 166 yards per game, but this is where I think the Cajuns can feast on the ground and the Cajuns have averaged a total of 399 yards of total offense, which is about 70 yards of total offense more than the Warhawks. Uh, just uh, some few miscellaneous stats I'll close out with. 
Uh, average penalty yardage, ULM right now has 51 yards of penalties on average. So do the Cajuns. Both teams are having trouble committing penalties and the opponent's uh, stat for ULM, only 43 yards of penalty. So this is a game where the Cajuns are going to have to be disciplined and they have they control their own destiny um, when it comes to being disciplined. ULM, third down conversions. ULM, 29.5% on third downs. Not converting well, but they do give up 49.4 yards or 49.4% uh, third down conversions. Cajuns have 39.44% and third down conversions, which is 10% higher than ULM's. Fourth down conversion attempts, ULM only 33%. They've given up 57% of fourth down conversions, and that actually works well for the Cajuns because the Cajuns are 55% effective in fourth down conversions. And last but not least, red zone offense or red zone efficiency. ULM has been in the red zone 33 times. They've only scored 21 of those times, and they've given up. Uh, their opponents have had been in the red zone 49 times. They've scored 41 times and the Cajuns have been in the red zone 44 times. They've only scored 34 times, but their percentage is actually higher and they've scored 13 more times than the ULM Warhawks in the red zone. So I'm going to just tell you right now, I know that was a lot, but looking at these stats, Nick, outside of the fact that uh, they've only, that ULM's only given up 166 yards per game rushing. And the fact that the Cajuns have rushed for a little over that um, at 219 yards, as I look at these stats, I, there's not a single thing that I see that should not give me reason to worry about this game other than a mental, the mental aspect of it. Stats-wise, we, we have an advantage over them in just about everything. Sounds like Arkansas State, Jerry. Uh, we said the same thing, that, uh, but that's why the game is not played on paper. That's a good point. I'm glad you brought that up. I mean, it's everything you were saying sounds exactly like Arkansas State. We were we were sitting here saying we we look like we'll dominate in every statistical category there is. Uh, going back to their their playmakers, look, I th I think ULM has some good players. I just don't know that they're units, right? They're not going to be solid on a unit. Per se or, or or should I say, none of the units are going to blow you out of the water. But they do have some playmakers individually that can give you problems. I uh, again, I this is like Arkansas State. You look at it, you say, "Well, we should dominate this," but reality is, it's up to us to come out and play like we played in the second half of Georgia State in in the game against Troy, and not play like we did in the first half against Georgia State, or or so much of the game at USM, or. Arkansas State. I, I mean, we could point to so many times this season where we just totally collapsed and, and for some reason looked like we didn't know what we were doing. Doug said something about having a hole in our O-line. Look, I got to say the the freshman, uh, I think it's Fordham, the freshman center that we have, I, I thought he played a really good – look, the first couple of, of drives, there were a couple of times where he either missed a block or he – had a little trouble with the snap, but other than that, I thought he was very solid and I don't think he'll burn. I don't know. Was he a red shirt where they, was this his red shirt year? Were they trying to preserve that? I think they'll still preserve it. So if that's the case, so I think, I think this is just, this is all upside for him. I'm not worried about the center position. I think I, I like what I saw and especially against ULM. I don't think he's going to be dominated against their defensive line. So um, I'm not that concerned about it, but yeah, 
Uh, I I was not concerned going into the Arkansas State game. I thought that would be an easy dub for us. I think I even predicted we'd go we win by two or three touchdowns. So hearing that the opening line was like twelve points, I was like, oh my god, here we go again. So I, I look again. I, I just I don't feel I don't feel great. I don't I don't know what team's going to come out. So I really can't give a gut feeling on how things will progress this game. I'll compound on that. So you mentioned how the game opened up at 12 points. Here's the thing that's concerning about that. First of all, ULM will always give us a game no matter what. But secondly, as far as the ULM Cajuns matchup at Cajun Field, a little fun fact for you. The Cajuns have not beaten ULM by more than seven points at Cajun Field since 1992 when the Cajuns won by eight points. So just about every game in the last 30 years that have been played at Cajun Field, which is pretty much every other season that they've played, either ULM has won or the Cajuns have won by a touchdown or less. Interesting stat. No, I, I again, I, do you have any reason to think it'll be any different? I don't. I, I mean, there's nothing I can point to other than they last few weeks, they have really given up a lot of points to different teams. Now, one of them, granted, was Ole Miss, but they give up over 40 I think to Troy, let me pull that up. They gave like 40 somewhat points to Troy. Yeah. 45 to 14. 45 they to lost. 14 yeah. Uh, they gave up 34 to Arkansas state, which we did uh, as well. They gave up 38 to Georgia Southern. But when you look at some of their losses, I mean, they're, they're Jekyll and Hyde, just like us, Jerry, they lost by only one to app state. They scored 40 and lost on a by field one goal. to app state on a field goal, right? App state had to kick like a 54 yard field goal to beat them. They beat army. First game of the season. Now Army's five yeah. and six. They have the same record as we do. So that they can't be coastal give you... last week. Yeah. They beat coastal. Um no. Oh, I'm sorry. Army beat coastal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um they they lost by only one to Texas State. And Texas State was was I think we broke Texas State, but regardless, they only lost by one. Only lost by ten Arkansas State. So they're very Jekyll and Hyde. And and they kind of go in it's almost like a pattern. They'll they'll have three really close games and then lose, get blown out. But the next three games, well, guess what? Their third game was last week against Ole Miss. So now they're now they're now they're going back to the the really close game. I just hope that regardless if it's a one point game, we're on the winning side of it. But again, there's nothing that gives me a ton of confidence going in because I'll say it again, we don't know what team's gonna show up. And again, look at the history. We always, they always play as close. No matter how good they are, no matter how bad they are, the game is always close. Even in 2019, I believe, uh, they came to to Lafayette last game of the season. This was the game where if we would have won or if we did win, it was our first time winning, having double digit win, a double digit win season in school history. And they were coming in, I think, with like a four and seven record. Their season was pretty much done, or they were five and six or something like that. And they had to basically, uh, shank a field goal the last, you know, in the last 10 seconds for us to beat them. They marched down the field. I think they kicked like a 35 yard field goal. Yeah, I remember that. Wide left. Yeah. I mean, and I'm sitting there watching. I'm at the game and I'm like, we're about to go nine and three. We're about to lose the opportunity to win our 10th game at the hands of UL Monroe. And it, it always, that's always the case. They always find a way to do it. And when they missed the field goal, I was like, thank goodness. But, you know, I mean, that's that's how we beat them. We beat them. And the year before that, they missed a field goal. Remember when, when we won the Western Division for the first time? 
that's that's what those games come down to. You remember 2011, down nine points. Come back, Ladarius Green recovers the onside kick. We beat him by one point to beat him then. 2013, have a chance to win our first outright conference title. Last game of the season, what do they do? They come to Lafayette and they beat us. I mean, it. it this is... Again, it doesn't matter how good or bad ULM is. They will always give us a game, no matter what. So we're going to have to be on our P's and Q's if we want to go to a bowl game because you just don't know which team's going to show up. I thought we were going to blow them out last year. And I'm we coming should've. home talking. I'm talking <laughs> to you and Josh on the phone coming back from Monroe, baffled on how did we, we just lost this game. But again, Jerry, it was a tale of two halves, just like we've said so many times this season. That's why I guess it's so disappointing with the things how they've transpired is because things that we saw last season like having a good first half but totally poo-poo in the bed in the second half and losing a game we see it over and over and over and over they can't do that this week man they can't come out either either flat and try to make up for lost ground in the second half or they can't come out firing all cylinders and let ulm back in the game the way you lose this game is you make ulm think that they can win if you let them think that they can win, you are going to be in trouble because that is when silly things start happening. So that goes into my next question, and we do this every week. What are your three keys to victory in beating ULM? I didn't even really think about this, Jerry, because I, I wasn't, like I said, I haven't gotten really pumped up about it. Um, one, you got to be, I guess, consistent through the entire game. You've got to come out with a purpose, and you've got to hold yourself to that level of play all 60 minutes of the game. It can't be, like I said, a matter of coming out flat in the first half and then trying to come back in the second or vice versa. We've got to be consistently good during this game to win. I think our offensive line has to do some work and open up some holes in the running game. I love the way that we controlled some of the clock last week, and it wasn't a dominating time of possession, but we kept the ball on the ground when we had to. Those sharp passing plays really worked out for us. Kept the kept the clock moving. I like that game plan, and I hope we do it again this week against uh, against ULM. And uh, third key to the game, I'll, I'll say it again this week is is going to be on special teams. We can't do silly stuff to let ULM think that they're still in the game if we're trying to put them away like a kick out of bounds. I thought the the special teams was much better last week. In fact. Uh, Leo had has had a great punt that put in his put us in a position to really turn the game around for us. So if we got to keep that up this week, because again, any inkling of giving them something that gives them a little bit of hope to get back into a game if we're winning or to pull ahead even further if they're winning, you got to take that out of the of the game this week. And I think our special teams has a big part of that. So uh, off the top of my head, those are the three. Well, those are very good points, and I'm going to piggyback on one or two of them. First of all, my three keys, the first one, my th- my three keys to victory over ULM, my first one is don't let ULM score early because it's to your point about confidence. You let them score early, guess what? We got ourselves a football game, and they're going to believe that they can beat us, and they're going to go in there with that mindset that they do every time they come to Lafayette. Oh, we got them. We got them. We can, we can beat them. Now, you know, we're in their heads, and then it becomes mental, which brings me to my second point. We need to stay focused on our game. Don't let history dictate what happens on the field for the next 60 minutes. In other words, yes, they've played us close in the past, but you know what? This team is two and nine for a reason. 
They're two and nine for a reason. And if you look at the last three weeks of the style of football we've played, I know our locker room is not satisfied with that because all three of those games we could have won. So this would be the game where we finally realize, okay, they're two and nine for a reason. We're playing for bowl eligibility. Let's put our heads down and let's 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 break that curse of a 30-year stretch where the game's decided by a touchdown or less. Let's go out there and dominate them and dominate a team that's two and nine. So from a mental standpoint, it has to be our, our mental approach has to just stick with the fundamentals, be the team that we know we can be, and go out there and get it done. That's my second approach. Mental, the mental side of things. Third, fundamentals. Quit making mistakes. I know we're still doing it, and I know that's who we are at this point. Stop jumping off sides. Stop flinching on the offensive line. You know, st- be, 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 make sure you, 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 you know, you know how to make an open field tackle. Don't miss tackles. Don't play such soft coverage. And that goes for the coaches as well. Press, press defensively, make them earn every yard. So th- th- again, look, they can throw the football. That's, this is a team that you don't want to give cushion to. You saw the receiver stats. They're not bad. They're pretty good on the passing game. Don't let that quarterback get into a groove. That's when you get into that typical ULM-UL matchup that you're sitting there at Cajun Field going, this was not supposed to happen, right? Don't give them don't give them the opportunity to do that. And that's all my three keys to victory is avoiding that, is avoiding that. So again, the mental approach, be the team that you are. You're playing a 2-9 and nine team. Act like it. The second part is don't let ULM create momentum early in the game. And third, make them earn everything. Make them earn everything. Whatever you can do to avoid any opportunity for them to come in and do what they've done in the past. Again, it's not rocket science. I think I say that every week. It's not. Just just come in, be fundamentally sound. Don't make stupid mistakes. Be solid on, on both sides of the ball. And and you can pick up this win. You don't do that in any of those phases. And, and it's going to be a very interesting uh, last, uh, I guess, fourth quarter into that game. Um, Carson asked a question, Jerry, and I'm going to address it. Do you think Des is on the hot seat if we lose Saturday? Absolutely not. I, I, Des is going to get year three for sure. And, and I don't even know if he, he doesn't get year four, if we have a same or worse record. Um, he's definitely going to get year three. I don't think he's in the hot seat. I do think that there will be a shakeup on staff if we lose the game. In fact, I I don't know that there's not going to be a shakeup on staff somewhere. I still think the coordinators stay. I, th- I think the guys on top will, will remain, but I think you'll see either some reassignment of duties or, or new faces come into the program this year. Uh, but no, I don't think I don't think he or, or anyone on top in that in that uh, on that team will be in jeopardy again next year. If if we're talking about the same thing, I think maybe we can have that conversation. But for now, the answer is no. No, I agree with that. He's not going to be on the hot seat. He's coming back next year. And um, I think from public perception, I think the I think the pressure of the public will be there if we lose this game. Uh, I know it's been pretty loud over the last three weeks, and I think it will be even louder going into the offseason. But I also think Coach Dez knows what he needs to do if we end up 5-7 and seven in the offseason. I think he knows that there's going to be some hard decisions, some tough decisions that he probably does not want to have to make, but he'll have to do it. And um, yeah, I think going into next season, uh, next season to me is going to be the tall tell tale of whether or not we've improved on the fundamentals, we've gotten better, um, 
have we have we gone back to our old habits? I think the first six games or so will tell us uh, where we are and whether or not that hot seat will get hot next year. I don't think that whole thing about the hot seat getting hot will be after Saturday. Now, again, the the pressure of the public will be pretty loud if we lose on Saturday. There's no question, and I know it's pretty loud now. But as far as Coach Dez's job security, no, he's going to come back next year, and I think he's look. I to me, every coach at least should get a chance for, you know, especially with the circumstances, they should at least get three years to prove themselves. And next year's year three. So Coach Dez should get that year. And look, and now if we're sitting here next year with a five and six record, <laughs> having to maybe win the last game to be bowl eligible, then maybe we might be talking a little differently. But but he's he's coming back next year. There's no doubt. Yeah. And it regardless of what happens at the end of this year, I think we've got to have something from Des. We got to have something from him that is concrete to the fan base saying, and, and this is regardless if there are coaching changes, what is going to be done in this off season that will prepare us for a better season next year. And I'm not talking about revenge tour. I'm not talking about, well, you know, we're going to try to have a tougher uh, spring and fall practices. I want, I want him to tell us, What's going to be different? I want to hear from the man in charge on why we should believe that we are going to improve as a football team and, and even why we didn't have a good, good season this year up to our expectations. Right. And again, I don't want to hear, well, we're one play away from this and we're no excuses. Just be real with us. Tell us what's going on. Tell us why you think we didn't have a good season and what you think we need to do to fix it. Concrete stuff, not, not the, Again, not the coach speak. We, we've had enough coach speak. I think that's needed for our fan base because we're all speculating on what we think it needs to happen or why we think things happen this season. But I think hearing from the man in charge telling us what concrete changes to the routines or changes to play calling or changes to personnel or changes to coaching, what needs to be done in his view from from this season to next, that will turn this thing around. I need to hear that from my head coach. What do you think, Jerry? No, I agree 100%. I think last year there were a lot of circumstances that we pretty much figured out what happened with the fact that you had a lot of players transfer out. You had uh, the portal gashed a lot of our roster. You had the coaching turnover. I mean, I know we had to replace over 30 staff members or something, some ridiculous number. So a lot of that stuff was unspoken. You really didn't have to really ask, well, what happened? I think this year, looking looking at the circumstances of the team we had on paper, you look at the way we lost some of these games and, and you and you wonder why, like we keep talking about it after the post, uh, the post game shows, what's going on? Why are we doing this? Why are we doing that? And trying to guess it. I think this off season is a good time for coach to come out and just explain it and be transparent where, where, you know, look, I understand, you know, a lot of times coaches don't want to do it. This is an opportunity. If you want your fan base to, to really tune in and dive in and, and believe in you, this is the time to do it because at least if you come out and you're transparent about it, we know that, you know, you, you have our ear, you have our ear, we have your ear. And, and that's, I mean, look, we're Cajuns, man. We talk, Right, we're communicate. We're, we communicate. We communicate with our hands. We we like to be transparent. We like to be open. This is the opportunity to do that. And I think if he does, I think he'll gain some trust of some of the fans that might might down him and his staff right now. But you know what else, Jerry? We're investors. 
especially if you're in the RCAF. We're investors. And every quarter, the, the CEO comes on TV or he has this, this conference call or whatever, and he tells the investors, well, you know, we had a down quarter. And here's why we had a down quarter. And here's what we're going to do to have to, to improve on that for next time, right? And it's, it's all concrete stuff. It's all on paper. You can read it. You can see it. You have the vision. You see their vision. You see what changes are being made to get them to where the investors want them to be. And that's kind of what we need from our program right now in all aspects, administration-wise, coaching-wise, but especially, again, from the man on top. We're all investors in this. And, I mean, imagine if a CEO of a Fortune 500 company went on a conference call after earnings were down and said, well, you know, we just got to work harder. That, would, that wouldn't cut it, right? Their, their stock price would tank over the course of the next week. And that's what we've been getting from, from everyone involved is what we just got to do better. It doesn't matter that the stock price is tanking. We, you know, we don't, we're not going to share our plan with you. We're just going to get better. And guess what? It doesn't. So as an investor, I think that's what we need to expect from, from the, the CEO of our company. And, and on both, admin and coaching, we need them to come out. And I'm not saying on a quarterly basis, but they need to come out and give us substantial updates on what's going on and what we're doing to fix it. Because again, Fortune 500 company CEO isn't getting on their earnings call when things are bad and saying, well, sorry guys, we're, we'll do better. Give us something. Give us something that will give us hope and give us concrete something, right? Not, not just this fairy tale of what we hope will happen, but give us a plan. Give us an outlook. Give us the, the, the roadmap to greatness. And I think, again, we need that now more than ever, especially in this year where people are already going to be upset because I'm telling you now, people are going to be complaining about sitting on the east side of the stadium and the sun and the time of the games and all this stuff being inconvenienced, especially in this time is when we need that vision and we need it repeated over and over and over. So I'm hoping that that's what we get. Am I expecting that to happen? Absolutely not, because there is nothing in my entire 20 whatever years of being involved with the university and now as a fan that they've ever done that. So I don't think it's going to happen, but if they want to reconnect with this community, that's what we need. Transparency, man. Again, as Cajuns, we like to talk, we like to communicate. And one other thing, and I'll tell this to anybody who doesn't like Nick's message here, as far as talking, we got to, we got to quit being afraid of our own shadow, man. We've got to quit being afraid of our own shadow. Look, sometimes you got to face the music. Sometimes you have to face those people giving money to you. Sometimes you have to face your supporters who may not be satisfied. Just face the music because guess what? We're the ones that are keeping the lights on for you in many ways. We're the ones showing up to the games. I mean, Nick and I aren't going anywhere, okay? So you can take a little bit of feedback from us without having to be like, oh my gosh, I don't know what to tell you. Just be honest. I would rather you be honest and say, you know what? We can't do something because of this, this, or this. And here's the proof of why we can't rather than just tell me we can't and not give me a reason. I would rather concrete evidence of why you can't do something and show me, show me the paperwork, show me a document of why, at least I'll know, okay, this person's being honest. They're being transparent. But if you're going to say, I don't want to give a message out to the public, you know, our supporters, because I don't want the backlash. Well, you're not being honest with us. That's not real. If anything, that you, that you should be doing the opposite of that. But again, quit being afraid of your own shadow. Just talk to us. And I'm not saying that about Coach Dez. I'm talking about as a whole. Like, 
whether administrators or the university, talk to us. We, 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 we're listening. We're listening. But again, let's stop talking about us as fans and talk, start talking about what we really are is investors. And you don't even have to put money into the program to be considered an investor. If you put your time into following the program, if you go to the games, if you watch them streaming right now and you can't get to the game wherever you are, you're still an investor. You're invested in the program. Treat it like a company. Treat it like you're the CEO and handle it the same way that they do with their earnings calls. Because that's essentially what we're looking for as investors is a plan, of uh, uh, the action plan, and we want to see those things implemented and happen and tell us what you're going to do to fix things. Coach speak wouldn't work for CEO. It doesn't work for us. I think we've had enough coach speak over the last couple of seasons. No doubt about it. And really, real quickly, off topic, Reese Burns in the pot tonight. CFL Great Cup champion. Congratulations, Reese. Uh, Cajun Nation is proud of you, buddy. Two years ago, we're celebrating a Sunbelt Conference championship on the field with you. And now... The man's getting a CFL Grey Cup ring. Can you believe that? You know what's crazy is that, you know how celebrities do cameo, like they charge to do messages. I need to get him to do one for like my family birthdays right now while he's not <laughs> super famous because the dude's a champ, right? I mean, the next the next natural stuff, I'm just going to say, I know he's buddies with our punter uh, for the Saints. Let me tell you, he ain't impressing me this season, bro. Like, I think Reese can bring some more talent to the Saints, so... Uh, get your cameos from from Reese now whether $5 before they go up to $500. I think Reese would look good in black and gold. What do you think, Nick? <laughs> hey man, I would I would be I will in fact the I'll get moment a jer- that we'll get a jersey. Oh, we'll get I'm going to have I'm going to have gonna a, jersey a jersey of every color if he oh, if yeah. he uh, signs with the Saints. So, I need to no make doubt, a couple no phone doubt. calls there, right, Jerry? <laughs> well, no, I just want to give a shout out to our boy Reese Burns. Congrats, mate. CFL Great Cup champion. Celebrate it. Enjoy it. Take it all in, buddy. You've earned it. And uh, we're so happy that you're you're back. And uh, he, look, he's going to be at the game Saturday, too. So if you're out there, go congratulate him. Give him a pat on the back and tell him how much we miss him. And he'll be there for the $2, $2 natties as well. I'm sure he's pumped about that. Oh, there we go. No <laughs> doubt about it. No doubt no, about I, I wonder it. if they have Fosters. Because you know it's Australian for beer. Australian Do you remember that? Beer. Oh, that's a I terrible, do. terrible accent, Jerry. Don't have uh, do English again. accent and Australian accents are different, but anyway, no kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so this ULM game, we already talked about it. It's the last official game at Cajun field as we know it. And so Nick, um, I got to ask you now, this is more of a miscellaneous question in regards to the new stadium, by the way, if anybody wants to get more information on the new stadium, uh, Last Thursday, they released the renderings, of course. As we all know, that was the big news around town. Uh, Our Lady of Lords Stadium will be coming in 2025. Construction will start December 11th by starting with the demolition of the upper deck, which will be a 60-day process. If you want to get more information on the new stadium, Our Lady of Lords Stadium, go to buildtheculture.com. That's buildtheculture.com, and it'll get you all the information Uh, As far as seating goes, what it's going to look like, the renderings, uh, information on the details of the stadium and the timelines. I believe they're going to have a webcam on there uh, starting when construction begins in December. So, yes, buildtheculture.com. Now, with that said, Nick, uh, I saw in the description that uh, Our Lady of Lords Stadium, I saw in parentheses it said formerly Cajun Field or formerly known as Cajun Field. Now. I am so thankful that Our Lady of Lords came in to to help 
and play a big role in this stadium. They got, they bought, they purchased the naming rights. And I, I have nothing but love for our lady of Lords for doing that to help us build our new stadium. I don't, I, the whole thing about formerly known as Cajun field. I just, in my opinion, now I'm just one guy. I'm just one fan. I'm one of those people where I think they should do like Tigmore field at Russo park, right? Where you still honor the Russos for being able to give that money to build the new baseball stadium a few years back, but you can still also call it the Teague. I feel like making it formally known as Cajun field. It's not Cajun field anymore. I, I always think, I think it should be our lady of Lord stadium at Cajun field or Cajun field at our lady of Lord stadium. Am I, am I off base there to, to keep the name of Cajun field with the new stadium name? Yeah, we had that we had that conversation earlier today, and I was offended when you first said it. I was like, "No, nah, it's Cajun Field at Lady of Lords Stadium." But I, the more I think about it, I don't know. Like when you think about Lamson Park, like the field, what it wasn't a Vegerard Field, right? So we didn't call it Lady Cajun Field at at Lamson Park, and and the only reason we call it MLT Moore Field is because it's dedicated. So I'm assuming, again, I don't know that there's any other program out there that calls it, I don't know, let's go Troy Field at uh, at whatever stadium. Now now it's, I think, Larry well, Blakeney Field, right? It's Larry Blakeney right. Field. Right, now at, it is. Uh, but I don't, gal- something, Movie Gallery Stadium. It or used to be like Movie Gallery, but it's it something else be, now. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Jerry, that's like Blockbuster. It doesn't exist anymore. But, uh, <laughs> but, but just to say, like, I don't know that anybody called it a certain Nick, uh, anyone else calls it a certain nickname. If, if it's not dedicated, that being said, it will always be Cajun field to me. It doesn't matter until it's dedicated. Now, once it's dedicated, which I'm sure it'll happen eventually, then we can talk about it. But until then, it's always going to be Cajun field to me. And, and look, people hate change. Change is hard. Change is not it's not easy to give up that Cajun field because we've known it our whole lives. And that's the nostalgia that we have. I get it. But I, I just think, I don't know that it's necessary that they say it's being replaced now. I think you hold off on that and hold that little carrot for somebody to, to pay the money to have it dedicated. I think that's when you do it, I, but I don't think you need to really do it now. I think you just leave it. Let people call it Cajun field. Stress the stress the Lady of Lords Stadium, 100%. Always say that because that's so very important. But again, I don't know that you have to retire Cajun Field because Cajun Field is still there. It's not. It was never Cajun Stadium. It was always Cajun Field. So I, if it were up to me, you'd keep it. You'd leave it alone until it gets dedicated. Well, I think that's what's great about Rus- Russo Park and Tibor Field. I mean, technically it's Russo Park, but yet it T, you, you can still call it the T because it's still there. So like... And I do it. And look, I, 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 no disrespect to the Russos. They're huge supporters. They're they've they've earned the right to that name, rightfully so. But at the same time, sometimes when I go to the game, I'll I'll say both. I'll say Russo Park, and then sometimes I'll be, tell my wife, "Hey, babe, I'm going to the Teague." You know, it's just it's just habit. It's not because I'm, you know, trying to pick and choose. It's just sometimes it rolls off the tongue a lot easier because that's what we've known for so long. Well, we all know it's Russo Park. We all know the story of the Russos giving the money. Oh, yeah. We all Absolutely. know it. So there's no question. It's not like it's going to, by not saying Our Lady of Lords Stadium, it's going to lose any of the 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 greatness of, of them donating the money for the stadium. That's not, it's not going to lessen that whatsoever. It's just, it's always been Cajun Field. It's hard to change those things. I'm sure we'll, we'll end up calling it Lords Stadium at some point, but Still, I, I don't think that the time to do that is now. I think you do that when it's dedicated eventually. 
and then you can retire it. But that's not my decision to make. I'm not going to lose sleep over it is what I'm saying. We'll still call it Cajun field. Look, I've gotten some feedback on it and some people went on the website. They weren't happy with it. You know, and I just thought I'd bring that up because I know there's some people that are like, look, it's our identity, Cajun field. It's, it's the name Cajun in itself. That's who we are. Right. So I think that was kind of something and it's a little sentimental. I get that, but I still think, in my opinion, that they could do both, right? Our Lady of Lords Stadium at Cajun Field or Cajun Field uh, at uh, Our Lady of Lords Stadium. Again, just like Moore Field at Russo Park, you, you can get both. I, and, and you could call it both. I, I That's why I just kind of – I wanted to allude to that because, like I said, man, I'm, I was very surprised at some of the feedback that I got privately – there's some people that weren't too happy about it. What it be? It would be like change. It would be like getting naming rights to the Cajun Dome and and not saying Cajun Dome anymore, right? It, it, it's it's like if Caesars came over and didn't call it the Caesar Superdome, they just called it the right. Caesars Dome. Like that would right. be that's almost like a religious thing. Like you that's don't a no no, that, right? That's a no no, right? You don't do that. Don't do that. So you <laughs> you kind of feel the same way about Cajun Field. Like you feel like they should be able to incorporate the the old and the new together. That's that's what I think people want to see is that you're not losing sight of the fact that there's all this history tied to Cajun Field because Texas A&M that we didn't beat them at Our Lady of Lords Stadium. We beat them at Cajun Field. And I think that's the nostalgia that people want to hold on to. So I wish there was a way to just bridge that together, which is why I say just call it Cajun Field at, at, at Lady of Lords Stadium. And then you're making everybody happy in the process. That, that's that's an easy solution. So I don't know. Maybe it was part of their agreement or something. I don't know. But uh, I thought that was kind of interesting when I saw that. And again, there'd be some people, oh, you're bickering about this and all this stuff. But look, I mean, to some, to some fans who give money and go to the games, this is a sentimental thing. And so I thought I'd bring it up. Again, I'm not going to lose sleep over it. I'm sure they'll figure out a solution at the end of the day. All I know is we're getting a new stadium. I'm fired up about it. And this this is the final week where we can enjoy our stadium as the way that it it, it is before the changes are made. So we will see you Saturday for that game against ULM. Again, kickoff at 2 o'clock. You can watch the game on ESPN+. Plus. Listen to the game on 103.3 The Goat, Hot 107.9. Uh, also, again, $10 tickets to sit in the upper deck. Huge, huge promo with $2 Natty Lights and inexpensive concessions. So one last time to sit in the upper deck for $10. And of course, the first 3,000 fans who walk through the gates of Cajun Field one last time will get a commemorative Cajun Field drink coaster. So Nick, moving on to what's going on around the Sun Belt Conference. We got some pretty, pretty interesting games this week. A few teams trying to get bowl eligible besides Louisiana. We'll review what happened last week, starting with uh, the Cajuns. Unfortunately, again, Cajuns, Drop a close one to the Troy Trojans by the score of 31 to 24. Army, Army defeats Coastal Carolina. Coastal Carolina is actually in the hunt for the Sunbelt Eastern Division title, and Army beat them 28 to 21. That was kind of the upset of the week for me. Uh, I was very surprised by that, did not expect that. So, uh, that was a huge win for Army. Also, Southern Miss actually went to Starkville and gave the Bulldogs of Mississippi State a run for their money. Mississippi State pretty much ran away with it in the second half, but uh, Mississippi State victorious over Southern Miss by the score of 41-20. to 20. Ole Miss 
at halftime, I'm looking at the score. Ole Miss only led ULM seven to three at half, and then all of a sudden they turn, they put on their SEC shorts and realize, okay, we're goofing around with this team. Time to actually strap up and play some football. Uh, they ended up scoring 28 points in the second half. Ole Miss victorious over ULM by the score of 35 to three. App State. Now, I just said there was a big upset with the bigger upset of the week for me was Army over Coastal Carolina, but App State goes to JMU, who hosted college game day, wins in overtime over the Dukes, giving them their first loss of the season. App State victorious over JMU by the score of 26 to 23. Again, I don't really consider that game as much of an upset because I felt like going into the game, App State had a chance to beat them. Uh, there was something about that game. You know, JMU had played some close games recently, like Old Dominion and one or two other games like that. I kind of figured, okay, they might be due for a loss. And this was the week they got it. And App State was the first to give them that loss on the road. Yeah, I don't know if you watched uh, the Pat McAfee show from JMU, but but Boston, Boston Connor took a lot of heat for saying App State would pull it out because everybody else was picking against App State, and uh, he got the last laugh. But uh, you kind of felt it coming. Like you said, you kind of expected that would probably happen. And uh, JMU's uh, lawsuit against the NCAA is on pause now since <laughs> since they have no shot of being in the in the college football playoff. So. Well, uh, here, sorry, here's guys. a fun fact. Here's a fun fact for you. JMU, I believe, I don't know if it was their official uh, Twitter account or one of their fan accounts, released a chart. There's 23 games being played this weekend of teams that are on the verge of bowl eligibility, including ours. And so uh, out of those 23 games, there needs to be 11 games that go their way for JMU and Jacksonville State to be bowl eligible. So actually, just for fun, I'm actually going to keep an eye on that just to see what happens. Uh, hopefully we're not one of the 11 teams that, uh, that gets it done, but that's a huge opportunity for the Dukes as, uh, again, out of those 23 games, if 11 games can go their way, they will officially be able to, uh, to go to a bowl game. Yeah. And another thing that, that I saw that was noted was because of the bowl tie-ins, the Sunbelt conference, and depending on it, who wins, if, if there, there is a chance that there are not enough bowl tie-ins for the Sunbelt conference, whereas two Sunbelt Conference teams would have to play each other in a bowl, which I think is an awful solution. Yeah. But that is yeah. that that from what I've been reading is a possibility because we only have a certain number of bowl tie-ins. So we have, but we still have to play all the, uh, all of the teams that are bowl eligible in the conference. So the only solution right now, unless some deals are made, which I'm sure would happen. There are probably going to be some bowls that make deals with each other. Do maneuver, do maneuver. But there, but there, there, there is a possibility that if if uh, all of the bowl eligible teams in the Sun Belt, or should I say, everybody wins that is bowl eligible in the next, I think it's us and maybe ODU. There are two teams I think in the Sun Belt that are that are on the verge. If everybody is bowl eligible, then there could be that chance of that happening, which would be I think unprecedented. Probably. There's too many bowl games, Nick. That's what it comes down to. So many bowl games. There's 82 bowl slots right now out of 100 and what, 30 FBS teams? Yeah. 82? Nah, too well, many. I mean, you're rewarding mediocrity. Six and six is is a bowl, you know? Right. It's not like That's it true. used to be where you have to go at least seven and five or better to be considered now six and six or even uh, even five and seven in some cases. Get we you went bowl eight game. and three in 1993, won a share of the Big West title and didn't even get a bowl invite yeah, that tells you everything you need to know right there it's crazy it's crazy anyway moving on uh arkansas state 
Wow, what a shocker. We were joking about them not being able to score a touchdown the first two games, and then all of a sudden they humbled us uh, a few weeks back. But the beating they put on Texas State, Arkansas State defeats Texas State by the score of 77-31. to 31. That team, and they're officially bowl eligible, believe it or not. Yeah. And in second place in the uh, Western Division behind Troy. Crazy stuff, man. How they turned that around. I mean, that just goes to show you the fun belt, baby. You never know what you're going to get week to week. But the turnaround that they've had in this season has just been, I mean, from Butch Jones crying on the sideline to, to now, you know, scoring 70 somewhat points against Texas State, they've, they've come a long way. Very impressive turnaround for the Red Wolves again. And, <laughs> and then Butch Jones wearing a going bowling shirt, I believe, at the post game. I was like, that is, that's he's, so Butch Jones. He's such a tool, man. Hey, he got the best of us this year, so I can't really say much about it. Anyways, uh, moving on, South Alabama victorious over Marshall, shutting out Marshall by the score of 28 to nothing. Old Dominion, big win over Georgia Southern. Old Dominion defeats the Georgia Southern Eagles by the score of 20 to 17. And uh, Old Dominion also a uh, five and six record right now, uh, just like the Cajuns in position to have a chance to be bowl eligible this weekend, I believe they take on App State, uh, and we'll get to that in a second as well. Uh, and last but not least, of course, the Tigers out of Baton Rouge defeat Georgia State by the score of 56-14. to 14. Yeah, I was going to say, Jerry, Coastal, are they bowl eligible? Let's see. Yes, they, yes, are. they, are. they are. So yeah, they are. so here's my question to you. If, if it does, worst case scenario, we win, ODU wins, not enough spots, we have to play a Sunbelt team. If we get to play Coastal in a bowl game, that might be the best case, worst case scenario there for us. Like it's worst case, we have to play a Sunbelt team. But if it's Coastal, sign me up, baby. I wouldn't mind it. Yeah. I'd so actually see, welcome that. It's not, it's not Unfinished all bad. business, Nick. It's not Un, all bad. Unfinished business, my friend. <laughs> so, unfinished yeah. business. Just, just, just throwing that out there. If, if worst case scenario, we have to play a, a Belt team in a, in, in a bowl game. If it's Coastal, I'm not crying about it. But we can't. Here's the thing: we cannot lose to them after all absolutely the trash not for the last three years, man. It's like it's like when we play Louisiana Tech as bad as they are. By the way, Louisiana Tech off topic: third straight three and nine season since the infamous video of moving up to Co Lafayette, moving up to Conference USA. We all know that one, right? I will. Uh, I will never forget Jerry when we played the, the last time we played them in Ruston. And the PA guy got on there and was making some kind of smart-ass announcement. And he goes, Louisiana Tech University, the crown jewel of the University of Louisiana system. And I was like, they, do, they, are, do they really think that, like, they're not, are they joking? I don't think they're joking. I really think they thought that. They, they were, they were, I think, I want to say there was a billboard on I-20, the, the flagship of North Louisiana. <laughs> It's like, are you serious? Really? The, the, well, right now they're the crown jewel or the flagship of the bottom of the NCAA. So congratulations on that. <laughs> Since the video, Nick, in May of 2020, and you know, all their fans were pumping their chest out. Remember? Oh, Lafayette. Ha ha ha. Bunch of losers. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, I want to say their record in football is 14 and 32. 14 and 32 since that video came out. It's almost like that video was like the kiss of death for their football program. Oh, it's like sad. <laughs> I don't know, right? I just, and then wait, we got even funnier. They played both teams that moved up to the, the both teams that wanted to move up to a level like Conference USA, both Sam Houston and Jacksonville State back to back weeks 
they lost to those teams. Uh, it was, they played Jacksonville state this weekend. It was like 42 to seven at half. I was like, Oh my gosh. I thought we had it bad during the dark years. They, they're even worse. You built the oh, bed well. you're laying in, bro. Sorry. Shucks. Darn. As we sit here and enjoy every minute of it, even though we wallow in some of our own misery at times, but nothing, nowhere close to that. That's what I was going to say. Anytime that you feel like you, you have it really bad. Just look up at Rustin right now and, and yeah. you'll feel better about yourself. I don't remember us ever having three straight three and nine seasons. Yeah. Me. Well, <laughs> I mean, we've had some bad seasons there. We've had some bad seasons, but nothing like uh, not, not, not recently. Thankfully. Yeah. Not in the recent memory. A lot of people were not born that are now communicating with us when we had those bad seasons. So people that like Carson and, and Doug don't know what we're talking about. And that's for the best. Exactly. We'll just keep it back in those days anyways. So moving on to week uh, this week coming up, a uh, few matchups, few key matchups in the Sunbelt Conference, starting with Southern Miss. They'll host Troy. Southern Miss will have their senior day in Hattiesburg. Troy pretty much already clinches the Western Division. So they'll, it'll, I guess it'll be a, a good warm up game for them for the Sunbelt Conference Championship. Pretty interesting approach, I guess, on how they'll take it. I know we've been through that a few times. Uh, Troy and Southern Miss will kick off in Hattiesburg, 11 a.m. Eastern. You can watch the game on ESPNU. Okay, so Old Dominion is not playing App State. Old Dominion is hosting Georgia State, who has a 6-5 and five record. Uh, their last win coming against Louisiana and our homecoming almost a month ago. But Old Dominion sitting at 5-6 and six needs to beat Georgia State to become bowl eligible. They will host the Panthers in Norfolk, Virginia. Kickoff at 1 o'clock. You can watch that game on ESPN+. Arkansas State will travel to Huntington, West Virginia to take on the Marshall Thundering Herd. Uh, kickoff here will be at 3.30 p.m. I believe Marshall also has a 5-6 and six record. They also need to win to become bowl eligible, if I'm not mistaken. So this is their chance against the Red Wolves. And again, kickoff will be at 2.30 p.m. You can watch the game on ESPN+. App State will play Georgia Southern, arch rival Georgia Southern. They will host Georgia Southern in Boone, North Carolina for their senior day. Uh, kickoff will be at 3.30 p.m. Eastern time. So that's 2.30 Central time. You can watch that game on ESPNU. JMU will travel to Conway, South Carolina to take on the Coastal Carolina Chanticleers. Uh, JMU and Coastal will kick off at 2.30 Central Standard Time. That game will be nationally televised on ESPNU. Nick, not bad. Not bad. Getting a lot more national... TV coverage from the Sun Belt. Gotta love it. Gotta love it. And last but not least, South Alabama will travel to San Marcos, Texas to take on Texas State. Uh, the Jaguars and the Bobcats will kick off at 6 p.m. Central Standard Time. That game will be uh, carried on the NFL Network. And of course, the Cajuns and the Warhawks of ULM will kick off at 2 o'clock Central Standard Time. That game will also uh, be on ESPN plus like quite a few of these games scheduled for this week. So they actually have some interesting games this week. I'm curious to see how ODU and Marshall can get the job done and see if they can become bowl eligible. They are playing two, six and five teams, both of which I'm sure want to get a decent win before their chance at a bowl game. So um, I'm actually looking forward to some of these matchups there. It looks like it's going to be some pretty intense games. These are, this is the fun time of year because it's almost, it's like, like the title of our uh, episode is winner stay home that you, you win or your season ends. Yeah. Fun, fun to watch other teams. Not so much fun. I mean, I wish we were a lot less stressed out about this game going into, 
into ULM, but indeed fun to watch other games play for their lives, really, at the end of the season. Um, just wish it wasn't us. No question about it. So that's going to do it for the football side of things. We'll come back towards the end of the episode to give our predictions. Uh, so that's the Sunbelt football schedule for the week. Moving on real quickly. So let's get to the hardwood. So men's and women's basketball. I'll start off with women's basketball because I do want to talk a little bit about what the men's basketball team did over the weekend as well as today. Uh, starting off with women's basketball, Coach Gary Broadhead and the ladies Got a big win against Nichols this weekend at the Cajun Dome. I believe it was Saturday. Cajuns trailed by as much as eight points in the second half, I believe. Hit a almost a buzzer beater from three. It was an off-balance shot. Hit the buzzer beater to go into overtime, and they got it done in overtime. They grinded their way to a 69-63 to overtime win against the Colonels. Great win for Coach Gary and his girls. Um, Much-needed win. I think that built a lot of confidence uh, in what, they're trying to accomplish. I know they've dropped uh, some close games, both to Auburn and Kent State, both of which are very competitive teams. But to come back and beat uh, Nickel State the way that they did, not necessarily the fact that they did it, but how they did it is very important for a team that's trying to find their identity and get some momentum back. Yeah. And, um, you know, at least one basketball team in the state of Louisiana can beat Nichols. So congratulations on that to the ladies. <laughs> Well, job well done to Coach Gary and the girls. That was a nice win. Uh, also, too, so the Cajuns actually had a um, an exhibition tonight, uh, believe it or not. It's kind of weird because both exhibitions land back-to-back. -back. Cajuns had an exhibition tonight against Xavier of New Orleans in the Cajun Dome. Uh, we actually had a few people that actually went to that game. And uh, at halftime, they were up by 13. Let's see the final score real quick. The Cajuns were indeed victorious over Xavier of New Orleans by the score of 64 to 40. They will come back on Monday, uh, November 27th, for a 5 o'clock tip-off in the Cajun Dome against Loyola of New Orleans. So they're playing two back-to-back -back New Orleans colleges, uh, both NAIA, but they're both exhibitions. So they got the win tonight by 24 points. They'll come back Monday night to take on Loyola of New Orleans. Again, 5 o'clock tip-off at the Cajun Dome. And, of course, free admission. So if you want to go watch some women's basketball, you don't have much going on, just go to the Cajun Dome, go in there for free, watch some good basketball in the hardwood. By the way, while we're on women's basketball, I just want to point out that one of our conference mates, Arkansas State, played tonight. Um, and I would not normally mention it, but they played at a, a school called Hendricks, which I've never heard of. I'm assuming this was an exhibition game, hopefully. Uh, because they beat Hendricks by a score of 95 to 15. Yeah. Yeah, 95 to 15. What do you get out of games like that? That's a great question. That's why I question what do you the, learn? these these Division II and, the, and these NAIA games that they schedule over an exhibition. What You really don't learn anything. I, I get, I mean, to me, you only risk your players getting hurt in a meaning, meaningless game, but but you don't learn a whole lot. It's a tune-up, but I feel like they should do that preseason. Like that shouldn't count whatsoever. It shouldn't be on the schedule. Like it should be a, something that happens way in advance that fans can go to, not anywhere near uh, this season, uh, in my opinion. Like it's like baseball. You should have two of those before the season starts every year with two teams that uh, that don't matter. I don't know. Uh, you you don't learn a lot. Well, it's just the fact that, I mean, I, at, when you play a game that's that lopsided, how can you get better is the question, you know, like, do you, do you get better? Yeah. Well, congratulations, Andrew Grady, because he was the winner tonight, had Hendricks at, 
at 85, <laughs> 80.5. Good job. Good job. That is so wrong, man. <laughs> oh, that is so wrong. Anyway, moving on to men's basketball. Uh, well, first of all, I'll say also uh, Coach Gary Broadhead and his women's basketball team, they now sit at two and two overall. And again, they will get back in action on Monday for an exhibition against Loyola. Um, and again, moving on, I'm sorry, moving on to men's basketball. Coach Bob Marlin and the men's basketball team head over to Estero, Florida to play in the Gulf Coast Showcase. First game was set yesterday, Monday night, against Wright State. Cajuns drop a heartbreaker by the score of 91 to 85. Uh, just a few stats for you. The Cajuns shot 51.7 from the percent from the field. They were 38% from three-point range, and they were also 86.7% from the free throw line. The key stat here. Cajuns were out-rebounded by 17. So rebound-wise, not too good for the Cajuns. I think that made the biggest difference in the game, which is why they lost the game by six. Uh, just a few individual stats. Uh, Kobe Julian led the, the scoring with 23 points, three assists. And, of course, Joe Charles tied him in scoring, believe it or not. Joe Charles usually leads in rebounds. He also had 23 points, nine rebounds, and he was four out of five from three-point range. So... Joe Charles getting his three-point shot. I always said once he starts nailing threes, the, the kid's going to be – he's got a chance to be all-conference. Uh, last but not least, rounding out the stats against Wright State, Kentrell Garnett, 14 points, one assist. Also, four out of five from three-point range. I just thought this game – just they didn't play well in the paint. Let's just call it what it is. They didn't play well in the paint. Wright State down the stretch pretty much started making everything. And look, they – I mean, they just out – they out – they out – they outplayed us athletically in the last 10 minutes. Uh, Cajuns could have won this game. It was back and forth, but I just thought in the paint, the, the gameplay in the paint made the biggest difference, and that's why Wright State came out with the win. Yeah, a little disappointing. You had a team that was 0-4 or 0-3 coming in, and, uh, and you dropped that one. Might be one that you look back later in the season and say, man, if, if we had only won, <laughs> you know, that might have done something for us. But um you know, I, I guess, I don't know. It's it's just, again, disappointing when you when you watch. I mean, they're one and four now because they lost to Hofstra in, in the basketball tournament. So just not not a great loss for, for the team and uh, just all around disappointing. I, I wasn't I didn't think they, they had their best performance, obviously, uh, against Wright State. No, it wasn't. But, you know, the good news, they got another chance today. They took on Buffalo and they redeemed themselves. They got the win against the Buffalo Bulls. Cajuns victorious over Buffalo by the final score of 68 to 60. And um, one thing that really had an effect on today and as, especially yesterday, you can definitely tell his absence. Damus Falks, uh, starting point guard, rolled his ankle against Wright State. Uh, Michael Thomas came in, did a good job, did a good job taking his place. But you can definitely tell the presence of Damus Falks how much of a difference it does make on the court. I mean, he is the, the court general for the Cajuns, and uh, he did not play today because of his ankle injury. Not sure when he's going to come back. Hopefully it's sooner than later because we do need him. But I got to give credit to the rest of the team for being able to uh, to step up in his absence, especially especially uh, Kobe Julian. Hands down the player of the game for the Cajuns today. Kobe Julian, 30 points, two assists, seven rebounds uh on the in the field today great job for kobe michael thomas came in again stepping in for themis falks nine points three rebounds three assists and of course once again joe charles 
leading the leading the scores or leading the stats and rebounds. Ten rebounds, but he also had nine points and one assist uh, today as a team. The Cajuns shot forty two point four percent from the field. Uh, they were thirty five point three percent from three point range, not as good as yesterday, and they were also seventy point six percent from the free throw line. So kind of a sloppy game a little bit. I thought Kobe Julian put the team on his back. It's good to see Kobe play with a lot of aggression, especially with the injuries that he's had. Uh, you're starting to see the Kobe Julian that we knew was capable of being uh, an all-around player in spite of his injuries. And it's good to see the way he's bounced back from those injuries and the way he has stepped up as a leader. Uh, I thought that, uh, you know, Buffalo, they, they had a few shooters on their team that looked like they tried to give the Cajuns a run for their money, especially late in the game. It looks like they were closing in on some of the big leads that the Cajuns had. But seeing guys like uh, Hosanna Katinge, as well as um, Kobe Julian, again, Michael Thomas and Joe Charles, those guys stepped up and uh, they were able to do just enough to give the Cajuns to win against Buffalo. Always a good win against a MAC opponent. This Buffalo team, they've been to the dance before. They're they're a well-known basketball uh, program. And uh, like I've said, these are the type of teams I want to play in non-conference. Uh, even though you lost the game to Wright State yesterday, they were a team that recently went to the dance. Same thing with Buffalo. I would rather lose to Wright State by six points. And I know some people will think I'm crazy for saying this. I would rather lose to Wright State by six points than go beat somebody like Loyola of New Orleans by by 80. I feel like you learn more losing to a team like this, especially when you go play in conference, than to go beat some NAIA school by 80, where again, you don't learn much. Am yeah. I on the right track there? Am I crazy for saying that? No, you're not crazy for saying it, but at the same time, you look at Buffalo and the fact that they got blown out by Hofstra 102 to 68, and they lost to South Alabama, which <laughs> South Alabama is struggling yeah, big true. time this year. It's a good so, point. You have a team that was one in three coming in and, and again, we didn't have famous there and, and that's understandable, but you, you have two games in a row against teams that are sub 500 that one, you kind of struggled closing it out today because you were ahead by 12 at the half and then they pulled within three, you end up pulling out the win, which is good. But then you lost to Wright State, who was 0-3 coming into that game. So I think there's a little bit of cause for concern. Not hitting the panic button just yet, but sloppy, as you said. Uh, the game was sloppy, and and we've seen that from Bob Marlin coach teams in the past where they can even build up a 16-point lead and then blow it. We saw it at Toledo, and then get sloppy and then blow it. So as long as they keep getting better, just like I said in football, if you if you keep progressing and getting better as the season goes on, which we expect them to do, then I think uh, I think they'll be in a good spot going into the conference tournament this year. Do from what I've seen, small sample size, do I think they can they can be the regular season champion? That's still out for debate. There uh, they haven't shown me a whole lot yet. That that gives me confidence there. Can they make some noise in the tournament? Maybe so, but we're way too early to even be talking about that. I don't know why I'm bringing it up, but I'm just saying. Right now, from the small sample size that we've seen against some of the teams they've played, they've got to clean up some of that the sloppy mistakes, uh, turning the ball over, not hitting simple shots, you know, in the paint, and, and then rebounding's got to get better. So they've got a long ways to go, but I think uh, if we can get folks back and healthy, um, like you said, some of the players stepped up and showed a lot uh, today, then I think uh, that bodes well for as the season goes on. I think personally... 
they need to get they need to play better in the paint they're a very athletic team we are a very athletic team we do a good job in transition down the court but sometimes we play it a little too fast i think if we slow it down at times play a half court offense especially with guys like hosanna katinje uh, who is basically he's developing. He, I mean, you, you're replacing, you got big shoes to fill with Jordan Brown. Uh, you got big shoes to fill with um, drawing a blank right now. He also graduated the transfer from Jackson state. Sorry for drawing a blank there, but um, you know, you, you, you're replacing two bigs who really, I mean, played a huge role in getting us to the dance last year. And so I hope Katinge, as well as even somebody like Kyron Ratliff who comes in off the bench can you know, play some minutes in the paint. I think that'll make a huge difference, especially if Thamus and guys like Kentrell Garnett can hit from threes. You got Joe Charles, who's all over the court. We've got athletes, man. We've got athleticism. We just sometimes need to slow it down and not be as sloppy. It's like football. Get back to the fundamentals. Everybody has their own talent. Use it. Uh, if Kobe Julian can continue to do what he's doing, you know, and you've got Joe Charles rebounding, you know, if Kentrell can shoot from three-point land that he always like he always does, and if Hosanna can play, you know, improve in the paint, and then again, Ratliff coming in off the bench. If this team can put it together, they can get it done. But we're still seeing some of the sloppiness. We're still seeing some of the early season woes every once in a while. We saw it against Toledo, saw it against Wright State. Um, I expect the team to improve as the season goes on. But uh to answer your question about whether or not can we win the regular season? I'm going to be honest with you, Nick. The only team that's been consistent in the entire conference right now is JMU. I mean, you look around the conference, there's nobody that I can look at right now and say, oh, outside of JMU, oh yeah, that team's going to win the conference or they got a shot to win the conference. I think the conference is up for grabs with all of these teams. And that, I mean, I think we're, we're in that mix. Well, I think where, where you're going to see, you're going to have a very good example of where you stand against JMU because they play Buffalo in a couple, I think Wednesday of next week, they're going to play Buffalo. So if they go out and bu blow Buffalo out by 40 points, then you will have a pretty good indication of where we are compared to JMU right now. And look, JMU's playing some really good basketball. Will that, will that carry on through the entire season? Uh, maybe, maybe not. I mean, that getting ranked is hard enough and holding on to that ranking. As soon as they drop a game, they're falling out of the top 25. It doesn't matter who it's against. So because because we're not a big name, you know, conference and they're not a big name team. Uh, but but I think, again, uh, you, that measuring stick is we're going to have that next week when they play Buffalo and see how they perform against them. No doubt about it. Uh, also of note, this Cajuns win over Buffalo marks the 250th win for Coach Bob Marlin as Cajuns head coach. So congratulations to Coach Marlin there. Uh, with this win, the Cajuns will face Long Beach State tomorrow at 1230 Central Standard Time. Uh, this will be for the fifth place game. Uh, as Louisiana will try to close out this tournament with a W against the 49ers. And um, you can listen to this game on 96.5 KPEL. Jay will be there. Jay Walker will be there doing the play-by-play, -play, or you can go to flowhoops.com where you can uh, buy, uh, buy the game, or should I say watch the game for a fee um, on that website. So uh, again, Cajuns tomorrow for the fifth place game against Long Beach State. Tip-off will be at 12.30 Central Standard Time. All right, so moving on to volleyball. Uh, Coach Christy Gray and the girls went down to Foley, Alabama and competed pretty hard in the, uh, in the Sunbelt Conference Tournament. Uh, first game, they defeated ODU. Uh, they moved on to the quarterfinals and lost a heartbreaker 
to Coastal, uh, three sets to zero. Uh, that closed out their tournament appearance in the quarters. Uh, their, their record now sits at 19 and 13 overall, nine and seven in conference play. Not quite sure if they're going to be playing in a consolation tournament or not, but if not, I do want to take this time to congratulate Coach Christy Gray and the ladies on a wonderful season in volleyball. Uh, lots of fun. Team is continuing to just grow and get better, and they're on the rise. The atmosphere and the environment at OK Long has been nothing but short of just a amazing uh and uh, hopefully that could be a recruiting tool to bring in the type of players we need i think we do have the players we need now but i also think that can also attract uh just as good if not better players in the future that will allow us to uh, compete for conference championships and i think coach christy gray is definitely on the right track there so again congratulations to coach christy gray and the ul women's volleyball team on a very successful season Yes. Congratulations to coach gray. Um, look, improving, improving every year. That's what you, that's what you aim for. Had a huge upset this year over rice. They were ranked. So, uh, just looking for uh, better, better things to come in the uh, coming years. I know she's got some great recruiting in the pipeline. In fact, some, some ladies from around my area, uh, have, have shown interest in the program. So, uh, good things coming her way. I love it. I love it. So again, uh, that's going to close it out for Raging Cajuns volleyball again, unless we hear some news on a, I think they went to a consolation tournament last year or something like that or year before. Uh, we'll, we'll definitely keep you updated on that when we get the news. Also, you know what? I'm going to wait to do this last, but first I want to ask you, Nick, and we talked about this last year and uh, we got a little heated, but uh, Thanksgiving, first of all, we want to thank, uh, we want to wish uh, Cajun Nation, a happy early Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to you as well, Nick. Uh, very thankful for having you and Josh and the, the rest of the crew and our friends uh, to, to follow, to talk Cajun sports with. Uh, we've got, we've become friends over the years. I mean, heck, Nick, I've known you for a long time and uh, we've come a long way, man. But uh, this Thanksgiving, I know you're going to be meeting with your family. I'm going to be going to New Orleans to meet with mine. I got to ask, what, what, when Nick gets his plate of Thanksgiving food, besides the turkey, what goes on that plate? What What are the first three or four items you're looking for to put on your Thanksgiving plate for lunch or dinner? Cornbread dressing is definitely number one because you have rice dressing. I don't know what it is about the cornbread part that's different, but it just makes it that much better because you don't have it often. So I got cornbread dressing. Uh, my second one is going to be the baked mac and cheese. And I'm not, you better not give me any of that craft stuff, like out the box stuff. No, 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 no. You got to have the real mac and cheese. I'll better see some brown on there. Some yeah, like I want to see that crispy yeah. brown on top. That's right. Um, and number three, I'll go out there. I, you always got to have something green. Um, so I do grilled asparagus as, as the vegetable because it's one of the few vegetables I'll actually eat. <laughs> so we'll, we'll go with the grilled asparagus as, as the number three on there, but really looking forward to the cornbread dressing. Okay. All right. So besides the turkey for me, I got to, do you like turkey with gravy or do you just like it with the natural juice? Either way, Jerry, but I swear to God, if you say candied yams, I'm going to throw something at this monitor. <laughs> 
You know what? I, I'm not, I can't even say it now. I can't even say it now because I just know the impending doom I'm going to receive if I. Well, do then say don't it. say it because you all need right, to pick I'm, three others. Because I, again, right. I'm like I'm getting diabetes just thinking about it. I don't understand how you can <laughs> eat that crap. And then you put marshmallows on it, which is stupid. If anybody doesn't know what we're talking about, these stupid <laughs> candied yams that Jerry loves that I said last year, nobody eats that. And then Jerry comes on, and is like, man, I really love the candied yams. They're like sixty, Jerry. So I joined, I joined the, uh, the pod episode last year, a little late. I forgot what it was. My connection wasn't working or something. And you guys, you and Josh had already talked about what your favorite foods were without me even knowing that you went on a 10 minute tirade about candied yams, totally oblivious to it. Josh goes, Hey, by the way, with Jerry, we talked about what are your favorite Thanksgiving dishes? So I said, oh, this, this, and this, and I said, Oh, I also like the candied yams. Nick just signs off. I don't even know what's going on. He just signs off. He throws his hands in the air. Like Lobos wanted to throw something at me from the screen. Just signs off. Josh is cracking up laughing. I'm laughing because he just signed off. I don't know what he was mad about. He comes back on and is like, he goes, how can you eat that? What are you, 60? <laughs> so I got so mad that what happened was I threw my headset off and it hit something and it logged me off of everything. <laughs> And, but that was that was perfect, perfect comedic timing. I still don't understand how you can eat that stuff, but whatever. I mean, you also go to Pete's and order a milkshake, so. Heck yeah, I do. Heck yeah, I do. I'm an old soul, okay? Uh, maybe I belonged in 1960. I don't know. Anyways, so, okay, I'll give you my three. Now, you say you don't like rice dressing. You say you prefer cornbread dressing. I like rice dressing. I like it with the gravy. I like to mix it with the turkey and the gravy, or sometimes if it's good enough, I'll eat it by itself. No, I like I like, it. The, I like yeah. rice dressing. It just... Cornbread dressing is just different. I never have it, so this is when it's good. But no, I love I love rice dressing. I'll even I'll even do a a sub a sub uh, a sub part B there. I like oyster dressing too if it's good enough. Sometimes, yeah, it's actually pretty good. You never had oyster dressing, and I don't even like no, oysters. Bro. No, it's a more of a New Orleans dish. It's I don't live in I don't live in Maine. I don't want, <laughs> no. That's a that's a New Orleans dish. It's more New Orleans based. Well, New but, Orleans uh, people also put tomatoes in their gumbo so tomatoes in gumbo but there are some things that are good there okay i i always prefer lafayette food over new orleans food even though i'm a new orleans native but anyways i also like the baked macaroni again has to be brown on top none of that fake stuff none of the stuff out the box i want it homemade i want you putting that the cheese over it put some of that egg some of that egg uh, yolk over it you know um yeah that and then also i'll probably say either green bean casserole or collard greens if it's green um how can you not like collard greens, man? You're from the South. What's wrong with you? That's disgusting. Um, and 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 the the other thing, what was it? The green bean casserole. Green bean casserole. Mm -hmm. Like you have to put fried onions on top to make it taste good. I don't know why you like that. Nah, not really. You don't have to. You don't have to. Um, and then, the, okay. So actually, asparagus. I have had Thanksgiving uh, lunch where you ever had bacon covered asparagus before. I will. I mean, <laughs> bacon on anything except for candy yams <laughs> is really good. <laughs> I don't think I'll eat the bacon with candied yams. So since I can't say candied yams, and since you're going to have a, a, a meltdown if I say candied yams, what about sweet potato casserole? Do you no. like sweet potato casserole? Nope. No? Nope. You don't even like sweet potato casserole? Nope. Wow. You're a, you're more pickier than me, man. You're a picky eater, dude. Now, now the question is, what is for dessert? I got to go with a good homemade pecan pie. I hate good pecan homemade pie. pecan pie. So what, what is I, wrong? What is what is the matter with you? Well, what I How do, do you like pie? because it's gross. But I do what? like apple pie. I get this this uh, I think it's I forgot what it's it's from some bakery in Los Angeles. I get it every year, and it's like mm. the best apple pie you've ever eaten. It's called Harvest Apple Pie. That's what I'm having. I look forward to that. 
Like <laughs> you could order that any time of the year, but it's like a king cake. You can only have it at Mardi Gras. Well, this I can only have at Thanksgiving. So I'm very excited about my harvest apple pie. I like apple pie too. Actually, I kind of cheat. I'll do pecan and apple. I'll cut like I'll get a small slice for each and just eat them both at the Jerry, same time. Jerry, how are you not in a diabetic coma after you eat those <sighs> stupid candied yams? Then you eat some pecan pie. <laughs> then you have an apple pie. Like, how are you just not knocked out for a week? I'm playing fetch with my dog outside after that because I'm just running around. Good. bouncing around. How can you I have, have, like, the energy I have a one- and you don't crash? Nick, I have a one year old. Okay, she runs around the house. She keeps me. That's my workout on Thanksgiving Day. Now, granted. I watch football with the family. We used to play touch football in the backyard when I was younger, but uh, we've all grown up and we're all older. But uh, I find ways to let some energy out uh, at the house. I'll usually go play with my daughter or, you know, go play with the dog or something after all the sugar intake. Tell, tell, us, the truth. <laughs> tell us the truth, Jerry. Your wife sends you outside to go play. <laughs> <laughs> not enough of you go. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Not not quite, not quite. But uh, but no, I always enjoy Thanksgiving. It's a good time for families to get together, and it's always fun because there's always different There's always different food every year. Do you ever notice, like, for your family dinners, like, there's always something different that's... Oh, no. We're pretty consistent. It's usually the same consistent. thing every year. Um, you, you, But you know what I was going to say? The one of the saddest moments of my life was realizing, you know, when the kids, it, when they were like, "All right, kids, get your plates and go eat at the kids' table," and you're no longer one of the kids at the kids' table, so now you have to wait. I don't know how. First of all, I don't know how it changed from like it used to be the old people eat first and then the kids. Well, now it's like the kids go first because you want to get that out the way. But like. Even though until I was like 30, my parents still made me eat at the kids table. So I don't know. I still ended up with the kids. Uh, (laughs) It was kind of sad the first year that they were like, all right, kids go eat. And they were like, no, not you, the kids, kids. So I I don't know that that was kind of a moment in my life where I was like, wow, I'm, I'm old now. I'm not one of the kids anymore. It's a tough moment of reality, isn't it? Just kind of hits you out of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. Are y'all now what now what are your plans for Thanksgiving? Are you coming to Lafayette? Are you going No, to I'm hanging out here. I got some people coming over. I'm uh doing for the first time. I wanted to do a a a, a fried turkey, which I've never done. But then I started thinking, well, let's it's such a mess, man. And then you buy the turkey for nine dollars, but then the 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 oil is like a hundred dollars. Like it's crazy. Ooh, but even yeah, it's yeah. such a mess, and then you have to clean up all that stuff. So I got uh one of those oilless turkey fryers which I think I've had, my parents had one, I may have had that before. So that's going to be the first time I'm doing it myself. So interested to see how that turns out. But no, I'm hosting this year. Uh, some of my family was actually just in Houston, uh, but uh, it'll it'll be fun. We'll have a good uh, a good time on Turkey Day. Are we going to carry that over to Saturday? Are we going to have another watch party at the Domain household for Cajun's ULM? If I can survive, <laughs> yes. <laughs> You're um, going to be so worn out by Saturday. I will, I will certainly be worn out. But I will tell you, one of the coolest things about living in Houston is that Houston has a Thanksgiving Day parade that, I, I mean, I say rivals the Macy's parade. They have the big balloons and everything in downtown Houston. Like, it is a big deal. So I'm like a kid. I will get that turkey on early so I can watch the parade on TV because uh, it's really cool. I Actually, I do, like record the macy's parade but the houston parade's really awesome yeah that's a tradition of mine i always wake up early enough around seven eight o'clock on thanksgiving morning all fired up to have some good turkey visit with family but one thing that kicks it off for me is i get my cup of coffee and i'm turning it on to the macy's day parade it's almost something that i've always done since i was a kid when my mom used to turn it on she used to because we used to have thanksgiving at my parents house 
And uh, that was part of the tradition where my mom would be getting everything ready in the kitchen and I would be in the living room watching the Macy's Day Parade. And then what was cool about it was, I mean, the pride of Acadiana marched in it a few times. So it gave me even more of a reason to want to watch it. So uh, that's a tradition I've kept alive and I hope to pass it on to my kid uh, or my daughter or my kids if we have more kids. And that would be something that I think is, is a tradition in a lot of family households across the country is, is the Macy's Day Parade. Um, anyway, so Nick, uh, that's our Thanksgiving plans. Actually, I'm going to, like I said, I'm going to new Orleans this weekend. I'm hoping to be back on Saturday in time for the game. I plan on going to the game on Saturday. One last hurrah Cajun field. Uh, so again, everybody have a happy Thanksgiving and, uh, hope it, uh, hope the weather's good where we can kind of enjoy it Saturday again. Um, last game occasion field, Nick, uh, do you feel sentiment? I know, I know, We've talked about the frustration of the season and how it's gone so far, especially with the circumstances having to be bowl eligible this game. But is there a little bit of sentimental emotions you feel about this last game being at the the Cajun field that we all know and love? Nope. (laughs) (laughs) Until until you've sat in it for I don't know how many years and experienced that awful press box, you I know. Oh, I know it. So, I mean. You know what's crazy about that, that table on the press box? Like. I feel like I'm pretty, I'm a mediocre height, right? I remember doing a game years ago for one of the jamborees. I was doing play-by-play or color analyst. Um, this was like 10 years ago. And I remember sitting at the table with the old school fold-out chairs that they'd have from like night, when the stadium opened, basically. And I remember having to like literally lift myself up because I couldn't see over the table. I'm like, how tall are these tables? This is built for giants? Like, No, what? it's funny. You had the wrong chair because there are these red chairs that are the folding chairs that have been there since 1970 that are higher than a regular folding chair. So sitting in that chair gets you at the level to be able to see it. I know exactly ah. what you're talking about. So you were just sitting in yeah. the wrong chair. I was sitting in the wrong chair. Okay. Yeah. So I, I, I remember because... Um, you know, I've been, look, I've been in that press box. Uh, if you, if you, if you were claustrophobic, that is not the place for you to go because it's crazy that the hallway slim. First of all, you got to go up. Everybody knows the Cajun field elevator. Okay. That thing is like tower of terror. Okay. You get out, you go in the hallway. It's narrow as can be. Then you walk in the press box and you don't realize how high you are until you look down and you're like, Oh my gosh, I can, <laughs> I can see the planes landing <laughs> to the Lafayette airport, see the helicopters and stuff flying all and around. It's not, and what's funny, Jerry, is it's not really that high. It's just it's high not. because the, the field's so dug in. So you feel right. like you're a lot higher than you are. You're not, I, I'm on the 37th floor in downtown Houston and I'm more scared of the Cajun field press box looking down <laughs> than I am of that. Honestly, it's the weirdest thing. Because the thirty seventh floor building is probably like a hundred times safer. Well, than no, the it's a seventy. It's box. a seventy five story building. So oh. you know, if you go to the top, then you're really. But even then, I've been up to sixty, and it's not as scary as Cajun Field because it feels like you're at the edge. Like you said, it's it's all about perspective. Everything is so tight, and then you look, and then there's just a drop. It's just weird. I'm, ugh, yeah. So. You know, look, I'll be honest with you, Nick. Like, I'm ready for change. I'm ready for the new stadium. It's been long overdue. We've been talking about it for forever. There's this, there's a part of me that's going to miss it. I mean, and that's why I'm, I'm hoping to come back this weekend and make it back on time just to say goodbye one final time. Because, I mean, this is the stadium I grew up knowing and loving through the good times and the bad. Um, it's, it's, it's a little sentimental for me because I know as much as we've been complaining about the stadium and how ready we are for it to go, 
it's almost like it's almost like something that's been a part of our lives. And so uh, it's it's going to be tough to say goodbye. But at the same time, I'm also ready to say goodbye. Um, real quickly before we go, what I know uh, the, UL, the UL football Twitter page came out asking about favorite memories. What was your favorite memory uh, inside of Cajun Field? First of all, I'm going to say you're being dramatic because they're not tearing the whole field down. It's just one level. So hey, hey, calm down. Eventually they will. Eventually they will. I know. But uh, so so they're easing your uh, easing easing the progress. Um, yeah. Favorite memory. Look, you know what's sad is there are so many more negative memories than there are positive ones that I remember in my lifetime, and that's horrible to say. Um, you know, outside of the 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 Texas A and M game, obviously, I wasn't there, so I can't really claim that. I would say, and, and this is insignificant in the in the whole scheme of things, but when we ended up beating Kansas State, and I can't remember the kicker's name, it's not Brett Bear, it was um, Tyler Albrecht. Yes, Albrecht hit that field goal to win the game. I don't know why that felt like such a momentous occasion. I think that was like the first time since all of the horrible years we had had that that really all I knew that you felt like uh, finally like we got that monkey off of our back we finally beat a, a, a what we considered a really good team we had, we had flirted with it against Oklahoma State at home I mean we we led them through the through halftime and then they came back to beat us but beating Kansas State at home felt like the first time that you felt like you were able to take a breath and say all right we can actually play football now so for me Outside of again the conference champ, all, all the obvious ones. I want right, to pick something right. a little less obvious, and I think Kansas State for me uh, was that less obvious favorite moment. Okay, I'm going to be a little. I'll give you mine. Um, now, of course, I was there for AM. I was seven years old. I remember Cajun Field just rocking that night. I, I'll never forget the noise when Damon Mason picked. I, I tell people all the time, Damon Mason's pick six was the night I became a Cajun. The moment I became a diehard Cajuns fan that I am today, and I remind him too. You know, but. Um, the Sunbelt Conference Championship is obviously my number one, but I'm gonna give you uh, I'm gonna give you a big time honorable mention. I'm gonna say the entire 2011 season. Uh, that was HUD's first year. We had just come off a three and nine season, and HUD came in with a lot of energy in the off season, a lot of um, excitement, where the fan base was just dying to have a winner. And that was actually my final semester as an undergraduate, an undergrad student, and so I was on the rail for every game. We averaged around 30,000 people that game, and every single home game was just electric. I mean, I remember from the, we were on the, my, my spot in the 35 yard line, the rail, the student section, looking across the field before every game. Even when the band came off a of pregame, that upper deck was like 90% full. It was packed every game. It was loud, it was energetic. And that was, you know, you talk about the Kansas State moment where you realize like we, we there's a chance we have potential to finally be there. That entire 2011 season, especially the game against Troy, who had just won the conference the year before, we came out with the black helmets for the first time ever at home. And just the atmosphere. I mean, I think there were like 30,000 people at the game. That whole season at Cajun Field, that was Cajun Field at its fine. That was Cajun Field's finest hour that entire season when the place was averaging 30,000 people. That place was rocking. And that was before they had the end zone seats. Everybody, the, the hills were packed on both sides. Um, again, the upper deck was full. The student section, that was when we had to get in the student section like an hour before kickoff. And when the team took, when they ran out that tunnel and HUD would lift his fist up running out that field with that energy, 
we were just, I mean, dude, we, we were fired up. I mean, I, it was amazing. And so hopefully with winning that same type of energy can be put into uh, this renovated stadium because that was, that was a year I'll never forget. Yeah. And, and what you appreciated about that and, and say what you will about, about HUD's legacy for me, it was, it was always looking back at the fact that he didn't accept us losing at home. Like that wasn't an option. Protect the house. Right. Uh, and, and he, he committed to that and losing at home wasn't an option. <laughs> you know, that there, there was no, there was no ifs, ifs, ands or whatever. It was, you were not going to lose at home. And, um, that swagger and that attitude, I think is what we need back injected into our veins as fans, as other program. And, and hopefully again, um, that, that to me is what's missing right now. And you have to appreciate how much energy that HUD brought into this program and injected into our veins. That was, uh, you know, it's all raw, raw stuff. And sometimes it's a little bit cheesy and corny, but look at how the players and the fans and, and the community bought into it. You know, I mean, that, that tells you everything you need to know. One of the things HUD used to say for, for, for home games, one thing he always enjoyed, he would say every time we scored a touchdown, one of the first things he would do is look at the crowd. He always loved watching the crowd reaction. And so that was a moment where at Cajun Field, whenever we would score, I remember we in the student section, we would score touchdowns those the, in that season. The stadium would just erupt. I mean, it was loud. And that's one thing I hope with this new stadium, the way the design is, is that they're supposed to try. It's kind of like what the what Russo Park is. They're supposed to trap the sound within the field. So hopefully this new stadium can kind of bring that type of atmosphere with noise and energy. And um, look, it starts after this game. And uh, the Cajun field's not going anywhere. It's just getting a little bit of a makeover. So same location, same place. It's just going to look a lot prettier in two years. And I'm really excited to see what it's going to be. But I'm also going to appreciate the memories that Cajun field, as we see it today, brought us. Now that we've talked about our Cajun field memories, Nick, we got to talk about score predictions before we close it out. I know we're, we're kind of dreading Saturday because ULM has given us a hard time in the past here when they come to Lafayette. But what do you think is going to happen on Saturday when the Cajuns take on the Warhawks? Well, I think uh, we're not going to make it easy on ourselves. And I think couple that with the fact that ULM won't make it easy on us either. Uh, I do predict a close game, but I think the Cajuns do pull this one out. I think we've got too much writing on, on this game. Uh, and bowl eligibility, and I know every guy on that team wants to make a bowl game. So I'm thinking the Cajuns pull it out with a 28-24 win. All right, get a W, go 6-6, six and six, become bowl eligible. I like it, I like it. I kind of say the same thing. I, uh, I think the trend of ULM coming to Cajun Field and giving us a run for their money, I think it's going to be the same. I don't think it's going to change. I think the Cajuns are going to find a way to win, but they're going to have to grind because ULM, this is going to be their bowl game. This is their bowl game. So uh, I like the Cajuns victorious in this one, even though I do think they're a little bit better than what the score is going to indicate. I do think the Cajuns win. I do think they become bowl eligible. And I do think we give one final goodbye uh, to Cajun Field as is with a Cajuns W. Cajuns, I think, beat the Warhawks. Final score, Cajuns 24, ULM Warhawks 17. So we're both picking Cajun W's. There you go. I, I'll take you to one right. of those scores. 
Me too, because it's a win, and it puts us in a bowl game. So anyway, guys, that's going to do it here for to for tonight uh, here at the Rage Review Podcast. Once again, we want to wish everybody a safe and happy Thanksgiving. Cajun Nation, we are thankful for you guys for listening to us and showing us your love. Um, once again, Cajuns take on the ULM Warhawks Saturday at 2 p.m. kickoff, 2 p.m. Central Standard Time. You can watch the game on ESPN Plus or listen on Hot 107.9 FM or 103.3 The Goat. Also, too, if you're going to the game, $10 ticket promotion to sit in the upper deck one final time at Cajun Field, as we all know and love it, before it comes down for stadium renovations. The first 3,000 fans who walk into Cajun Field will get a commemorative Cajun Field drink coaster. Well, Nick, it's been a pleasure uh, to all of you guys out there, to all of our listeners, young and old. If you like what we do, if you want to give us feedback, please like, subscribe, comment, show us your love. We're on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, or Twitch. You can listen to us on Apple iTunes or Spotify. Nick will have this episode up ASAP, and we will be back Saturday afternoon following the Cajuns and Warhawks matchup for the last time at Cajun Field. Hopefully it's a good post game. We're not saying, hopefully we're not saying goodbye to the 2023 season, but talking about a bowl game coming up. Fingers crossed, right, Nick? Definitely. Definitely hope uh, hope we get the dub. No doubt about it. For the last time, happy Thanksgiving to all of you out there, Cajun Nation. We will see you Saturday. For Nick, I'm Jerry. Everybody, thank you so much for listening in. Once again, we want to thank our sponsors, Recovery Chiromed, Dr. Brett Venable, as well as Absolutely Embroidery and more. So, Cajun Nation, have a good night. And in the words of the late, great Big Dave Thibodeau, bye, we out of here. See you Saturday afternoon. Go Cajuns and everybody, happy Thanksgiving. <laughs>